we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast, a skeptical vlog vlogcast that uh, tries his best to answer the question of why. Uh, this show started as a result of spite and the Streisand effect. When some of us, uh, hold on here, uh, when, um, when people on Facebook decided that they were smarter than everybody else, and it turns out they weren't. That was a really bad in intro. Give me a break. I'm substituting here for our earless feeder shoot Tribble, who's in the middle of doing a 36-hour marathon radio stream um, for cancer fundraising for the Ride for Roswell. Uh, you guys know me. I'm the top left corner of the bingo card. As usual, I'm Dallin. Uh, running a bit of a light crew here tonight, but that's okay, because I, I think between the three of us, we have plenty to bitch about tonight. Um, so starting... All porn uh, should be free. <laughs> like I said. And uh, speaking of uh, some of our resident troublemakers, of course, in the land where the swamp was supposed to be drained, but they found out the trouble needs a much bigger uh, snake. Uh, good evening, Unrenown Tech. Well, considering the temperatures actually finally started to drop down a little bit, yes, it's getting a better evening, except we just had to go through a whole bunch of thunderstorms to get to it. And yeah. my dogs and cats are like, wow. Except for one of them. One of my cats sitting there in the corner going, the hell are you all freaking out over? And you see, here's one of the reasons why I think weed should be legal all over the place. Can you imagine how casual your pets would be if you fed them a little bit of, you know, CBD? Yeah, CBD kibble oh, don't before get, don't, a thunderstorm? Don't get your animals high. They're not that high up the food chain as it is. Yeah, thank you, Robin they, Williams. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, if, if somebody goes to a vet and the vet says, yes, you know, you're, 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 you're member of your family, your fuzzy, your fuzzy family member is, you know, they've got this problem or this disease or, or this issue or whatever, and giving them these CBD pills with this measure of uh, concentration and, and everything else at this such and such interval is going to drastically improve their quality of life. Go for it. But if you're the guy that's or lady that's sitting in, you know, your room, you've got a big old blunt going. Your dog walks over, and goes, uh, "Is that a Twinkie?" And you go over your dog's nose and go, oh, "You're a dick." Yeah, on that we agree. Uh, anyway, so long intro aside, <laughs> we have another player on the board here tonight. Of course, uh, coming from the land of, well, very close to the land of what the hell is going on, uh, Bridget? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't come up with anything else more original. Just, uh, I mean, hey, this is where your vice president is from. My deepest and sincerest condolences. And, and surrounded by states that are just totally screwed up. <laughs> yeah, that would be an understatement, really. Uh, it's it's brutal out there, folks. Um, anyways, I don't really have much of a five-minute freestyle Although I do have a little something maybe I would like to open up the show with if uh, if I can beg your guys' indulgences. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm totally and completely prepared for this show. Can't you tell? Uh, what the hell is it? Ah, here we go. <laughs> okay, so a friend of mine... Uh, posted this on Facebook recently. I'm not going to share the screen because I have other incriminating photos on here, but I just thought I'd read it out. <clears throat> um, so yeah, uh, here's how it goes. 
Uh, fourth year med student reporting in. Had a rotation with a pediatrician where we ended up in the classic encounter with an anti-vaccination parent. You know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. The lady was a conspiracy theory magnet. She continuously, yeah, she casually mentioned everything from 9-11 to chemtrails. Of course, she loved the idea of the vaccine conspiracy as well, opting to not protect her one-year-old to stick it to Big Pharma. And for frequent listeners of the show, you know we've already talked about Big Pharma, and I think we pretty soundly debunked it. Yeah. At least, yeah, in lieu of any evidence to the contrary. That doesn't come from, I don't know, a fever dream or something. Anyways, uh, I relayed all of this to my attending after my exam. I would see the patient first, gather history, and do my exam to present to my attending physician. Uh, he got this sort of lazy smirk on his face that screamed, watch this. We go back into the exam room and we cover all of the important bits of a well, of a well child encounter, growth charts, behavioral milestones, nutrition, sleep. And then we get to vaccines. She lists approximately 15 reasons why vaccines are more dangerous than the disease they protect against. Right. In addition to the various evils of the pharmaceutical industry. Right. My attending listens quietly until she's done with her soapbox about one eternity later, and then interjects with, get this. Have you considered the possibility that anti-vaccine propaganda could be an attempt by the Russians or the Chinese to weaken the health of the United States population? In a moment of catastrophic cognitive dissonance, I swear I heard a strange popping noise as her brain misfired. It actually broke her. The allure of the increasingly ridiculous conspiracy theory was just too strong. She ended up agreeing to a modified vaccine schedule. I was flabbergasted. My attending just grinned at me in response. To this day, I'm not sure... The medical ethics of the situation are totally palatable, but goddamn, the result was amazing. If something like that is actually true, if that happened, I am both entertained as hell that this happened. I'm also terrified that, it, that it's come to this. Um, there was one part there about the, uh, the, the evils of the pharmaceutical industry and Again, speaking as a Canadian, I could do kind of laugh it off because of my current situation. I can I can give you a story, which I will later. But then given something Bridget had told us, or had told me earlier this week about um, certain pharmaceutical costs, which we'll get into. Um, but before that, now that my not-so-free freestyle is over, oh, and uh, Shujin popped into the, to the open live chat, which you can find on our YouTube page. Uh, just go to the current live broadcast. The chat window will be there and everybody's welcome. Just play nice. <clears throat> um, anyways. Uh, and he says, yeah, approximately 12 hours, 40 minutes left of his uh, 36 hour show. Mm. 12 hours already. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> it would also explain why there's nobody else in the chat because they're all probably listening to him. Yeah, uh, technically... <laughs> He'll be done just before one o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast time. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're, and we're not going to hear from the boy probably until, oh, I don't know. Wednesday. Next week. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday at some point <laughs> when he finally wakes up. Um, anyways, uh, he also uh, did a little bit of checking on the Raif Badawi situation. Um, again, nothing happening. So as of the recording of the show, it has been six years, 11 months, nine days since Raif Badawi was falsely incarcerated for thought crime. Our thoughts are still with you and your family. I wish we had something better to report. Um, it'd be nice to hear that he was on his way to Quebec to be with his wife and kids. I wouldn't be too crazy about the fact that he was going to going to Quebec, but can't have everything. You know, it's I, I've heard it said. I probably have been guilty of saying it before too. Um, you know, why don't these places that don't like the dissenters, you know, why don't they just kick them out of the country and let them go to the places that welcome them? And, you know, it's taken me a while to realize the, the reason why you have these people turning to violent acts such as whippings, beheadings, um, all these things is not because their religion is true. The violence is typically a, a demonstration of a lack of truth. It's rule through fear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, nothing it's, more than a power control and fear mongering. There, it's the same reason why. Okay. Um, any I've religion been, that would be absolutely hundred percent truth would have absolutely no fear of anyone speaking against it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, I think that's the same reason why, you know, in, in light of a lot of the protests that you see in the States these days, you know, it could be the anti-abortion pro the abortion protests, anti-abortion protests, or any of the others that are out there, uh, too many to name. And again, I, there are some rabbit holes. I just don't want to go down. Not yet. Not now. Anyways, why you don't see a more aggressive response from the establishment. Like for, for a lot of these big protests, you know, like the, the riots we've seen, in some places to protest, you know, the, the, the killing of somebody or uh, a, a verdict that really shouldn't, that, that should have been more aggressive or whatever. You know, why don't you see the police out there, not with tear gas, not with water cannons, but with everything else that they've got? Why, why don't you see the military coming in? It's because it would give, it, it would create the same regime of fear that these other places that we accuse of violating human rights are, are also currently doing. So at least in that respect, we're not quite like them yet, but that could be me. And Hey, just joining us uh, all the way from over the pond. Hopefully he can hear everybody. Uh, it's Joseph. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Yay. He can hear me. Can and hear I me? can hear him. <clears throat> can you hear Bridget? Can you hear me? Yep. 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 Good, good, good. Wow. That's, that seems <laughs> right, to be... Now, Joe, don't touch anything on your computer. Mm. Well, no, I don't think it's on my side, actually. I think it... Well, um, uh, well anyway. That's a well, rabbit hole to follow. Sujin's not here. We'll just blame him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got it in one. Awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, folks, just, if, if you think I'm a little bit goofy tonight, uh, I'm on medication... Uh, I've had a science, uh, a science infection, sinusitis and everything else. And, uh, been on a bunch of stuff. And this is the first time I've had coffee in a week. Hmm. 
So, so between being past my bed medicated bedtime and this, <laughs> I'm going to be a little goofy tonight. Yeah. Okay, so just to get the, the last piece of the formalities out of the way, uh, this is episode 262 on the docket, Your Honor. Uh, Pulpery for 300, please, me. <laughs> uh, again, because, well, I'm the one kind of in control tonight because, again, Shujin's out doing his thing. He needed me to do this thing. I was a little nervous about doing this thing. I still am, so. But it also looks like it's just us. I don't see anybody in open chat. Nobody's DMing me in Discord or anything else, so I'm going to take a big breath. I feel better now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Potpourri, kind of uh, no real subject tonight, no real thing. Um, but I did want to lead off, uh, Bridge, with what you uh, showed me earlier this week, because I think this is something we need to talk about. So, can you re please remind the audience of <laughs> what the hell it is we're talking about here? We're talking about the price of pharmaceuticals in this country compared to the price of the same pharmaceuticals in Canada. Okay, so what's the what's the medication that you're talking about? Uh, it's called esketamine. Okay, what is it? Uh, it's a nasal inhaler that has like a little bit of ketamine in it that's uh, good for depression and seizures. Okay. And um, it just came out recently. The price on it, I don't remember exactly the figures that I sent you. Hmm. I have. Yeah, I'd have to go back and find the text, Let's but see. it was it was over four thousand dollars a month to eight thousand dollars a month, um, depending on the dosage here, and it was what five hundred to eight hundred there, something like that. Geez, yeah. I wonder what my uh, thirty dollar medication here it which is was thirty dollars after my insurance discount of eighty dollars off of it which would have cost me, so yeah. without insurance. Yeah, he's got the table. actual numbers that I sent him, but I can't remember what they yeah, are. I, I've got them. Um, so per month, that medication runs between 4720 and 8640 US per month. Mm. Comparatively, comparatively, 590 to $885 Canadian. Now, some people would throw, you know, Oh, well, if you factor in the exchange rate, if I factored in the exchange rate, it would be reversed. Okay, this is this is crazy. We we're talking like uh a tenfold, well, I don't know if it's we're talking 90% less in Canada for the same drug. Now, Bridget, is that assuming um your same level of coverage in both situations? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, again, I just wanted to make sure everything was like, we, we were all being equal here, like with no subsidies or anything like that. Like for me, uh, yeah, earlier this week, I went to, uh, the pharmacy, I had to get a refill, my last refill on, uh, blood thinners and a, uh, a cholesterol med that I take <clears throat> because, you know, I'm getting old and I walked away after having paid about $75 for both. And that is basically that's enough doses for a hundred days. So that's three, three months and a little bit. Um, and I paid under a hundred dollars for two medications. One of which is probably keeping me alive right now. Um, now, I'll grant you that's with that is with medical coverage on my side. I do have a pretty good insurance thing with my job, 
but still, um, I just cannot believe that kind of price. And, um, there were some comments after you made that post, uh, that were made about, uh, you know, because capitalism <clears throat> and, uh, I feel the need to disavow a few people, yeah. a, a few yeah, people have capitalism as well. We are capitalist, yeah. you know, Norway's capitalist, Denmark's capitalist, any sort of first world country is capitalist, but, but we have a recognition of a welfare state. We understand. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Joseph. Yeah, don't confound uh, capitalism with greed. Exactly, exactly. That, that's kind of where I was going with it. And that, that's also something else. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, well, you can't draw a line between capitalism and greed because, you know, if you start drawing the line, when's it going to stop? And suddenly everything's going to be regulated. Nobody's going to have a say. And then nobody's going to have any ability to gain capital. And I was like, you don't understand how the world works. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You, no, tech, you you're did, absolutely you, right. You did not go to any kind of economics class. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I barely made it out of the supply and demand part of economics class. And I still get that there's nuance. Uh, there is. And, and you know, I, I've said it before. There's not a single social, economic, or political model that passes the human test. If you want to see an example of price control that works and a company still makes profit. Now, granted, the company itself is the one doing the price control in this case, but it it they figured out how to do it. It's GE. GE appliances across the board are price controlled at the retailers they're sold at. Mm -hmm. And they do that on purpose because they refuse to allow any one retailer to basically have better deals on their products through them over any other ones. So that way, every retail company that sells their product is getting a fair deal. And that same fair deal going to the customer. Now, some companies that say, oh, this GE product's $100 off if you come in and buy this toast or whatever, that's more than likely not a GE thing. That's more than likely a company thing unless the coupon comes directly from GE. And if it does, it's more than likely available at all retailers that sell that particular make and model of appliance. GE does that on purpose because they, you know, it, it makes them money. People know that they can go to a particular place and they know they're looking at a good price for something. And everybody, in a, in a way, quote unquote, wins, whether or not you can afford the appliances is another story. That's not medicine for crying out loud. Well, that that's the thing. I mean, you only win with an appliance sale if you're looking to buy an appliance. You know, and, it, it, and I and granted, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but it's something that can be done if yeah. it's cho if it's done the correct way, and it can be done. All right. It's just like medication. If it only takes a dollar to manufacture 100 pills, there is no reason each and every one of those pills should cost a thousand dollars. Okay. Um, you're right. But for the first few years that a patent is active with a new medication, I think what they're trying to do, and, and okay, look, I'm it's recoup costs. Yeah, I'm I'm totally speculating here, but they're trying to recoup all the all the research costs that they spent. Sorry, you know that they spent actually creating the medicine. You know, you, you look at, um, for instance, cancer research. 
I mean, they're they're pulling in billions of dollars for research, which is good. Make, make no mistake. I think it's great that you know people and businesses and other charities, um, <laughs> plug to Shujin, are trying their best to you know they're getting in all this money and they're trying to nail down you know mother one of Mother Nature's greatest moving targets. You know, if that cure all ever does come out, uh, whoever gets the patent on it, which I mean, okay, something as important as a, as a cancer cure drug, if it ever comes out, I, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to approach how to distribute that one a little bit differently than, uh, the latest antibiotic, you know, and I'm, but yeah, the, the, the cost recoup is, oh, I, I understand it. Here's the, at the thing. same time. I don't have to like it. I had a relative work with a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is not like a fifth remove relative of, you know, whatever. <laughs> none, yeah. none of that goofy shit. Uh, this is somebody I have personally talked to. And yes, you're hearing it from me. So that makes it hearsay in a court of law. Mm-hmm. However, all that crap aside, he spent several years working with a pharmaceutical company on their computer systems. In the meantime, he was drinking the lemonade, uh, the Kool-Aid, as you were, of the company talking about, you know, recouping costs and everything else. And then he got sick a couple years after he was done with that contract. Now, mind you, this was like three, four years of him and me arguing back and forth intermittently about price control on medications and so on and so forth, reasonable periods of time of recouping costs and everything else. He got sick. He needed medication. His medication after insurance was through the roof. He flipped the hell out because the medication had been on the market for like eight, nine years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's flipping out about the price and everything else. And I said, well, you know, if it was regulated and he said, stop right there, this has been out way longer than it took him to recoup the cost. I was like, are you sure? Because, you know, you told me of X, Y, Z argument, all the arguments in the book that I've heard that are repeated on television, that are repeated by conservatives who have investments in pharmaceutical, well, any politician for that matter that has mm-hmm. investments in pharmaceutical companies and all that other crap. He hit me with every single one of them. I nailed him back with his own arguments he hung up. He hung up because he just realized that everything he would have been spouting, everything, the reasons that he gave was the reason why his medication was still absurd, even after they recouped the costs. Because you have, when you make the claim, well, when we recoup the costs, all the additional profits that we make go into further investment of refining of the drug and researching other ones. Which we and, know it doesn't. And, and, and all that other crap. And it's like, okay, so now it becomes a case of you've recouped your costs. Time to get to a regulator that shows you can make this percentage of profit off of it that can be put towards research. You have to show in the books that goes to research and here's, that's where everything breaks down. When you have demand transparency, the companies go, Oh, no, fuck you. Or, excuse yep. me. Sorry. No, no, it's actually, it's all filters off tonight. Yeah. Uh, Cause we figured, <laughs> yeah. figured since, you know, the, 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 but, the, but that's the, the triple away. So, 
no, that's you, the point. Yeah. The regulation can work if the transparency and the bookkeeping are honest. But when you have corporations where their executives, when they decide to bail or they get put in prison, get a golden parachute of amounts in that begin with a B. Yeah. In terms of billions. Mm -hmm. Right. Or even hundreds of millions. There's no transparency. Yeah. There's no honest bookkeeping. It's just greed. Yeah. And I think the trouble now is that um, trying to bring in uh, regulation nowadays would be, I won't say impossible, but very painful. Just because of the amount of uh, political inroads, you know, lobbyists and stuff have made into the government. And, you know, plus, and again, I, I, I go back to it, the culture. You know, the, the, the sense of entitlement, the sense of this is mine. Why should I have to give any of it away? Cause I earned it. You know, any, anybody that, um, oh shit. What, I just saw it earlier today. Uh, any adult not willing to work for their own food deserves to go hungry, you know, and to you know to, to which i respond okay so you want people to work for a living to you know buy your product or so that you don't have to pay for their welfare yet mr company corporate guy you just took seven thousand jobs out of this community and shipped it off to some other place where you can get you know labor for pennies on the dollar and is that working uh it's working for the for executive them. who's pulling no, in but the, I mean, is that work is that the, the same sort of work that these people are requiring of people to buy their products? Well, the only thing they need for people to buy their products is money. But if you, if you as a job creator aren't creating the jobs that will get people the money to buy the product, you're not really helping the system or you're not really helping the situation, are you? But, but do you see what I'm saying? They're, they're asking, they're expecting people to be able to pay um their whatever prices they set mm -hmm. and for people to be able to it's like what you said well if if somebody doesn't work to earn a living they don't they deserve they don't deserve the medication or they they don't deserve to uh they should go hungry but are they playing are they applying those same rules to themselves oh probably not you know if, no. if they were well i mean look at look at tex friend there he uh Relative. As soon as, or relative. It wasn't friend. Sorry, I sorry. The, I, I don't get into those kinds of heated political debates with friends because that's how I lose friends. But relatives, they, blood's blood. Yeah. Whether I still, like them or not, they're, they're, they're blood. Yeah. They, they <laughs> still have to show up rolls. at Thanksgiving dinner at least once. So, no, I get it. Um, no, but, but in that case, the tables were turned on that person. And, you know, suddenly all the rules that they were led to believe and led to follow now just blow up in their face. You know, now suddenly they want, they, they want what they can't, what they can't have according to the system that they used to play by. So no, I, I think you're, I think the answer to that, uh, Joseph is no, um, they don't play by the same rules. And, but if, if we're going to follow that rabbit hole down a bit farther, sure. Um, the big problem, and I think this is a big problem you see everywhere, is that uh, nobody's holding them accountable. 
and no. especially their customers because they're going to continue doing this as long as people continue to pay yeah. if they yeah. hike up the prices so much that you know everybody is basically on a death sentence and you know they can't they can't pay then well they're gonna have to try something else but they're gonna continue doing it as long as it works quote unquote works yeah so which, which kind of begs the question so for for this drug that uh that bridget talked about that's you know worth okay so it's eight thousand dollars a month who in the living hell can afford that and, and at least to any degree that the company or that the, the pharmaceutical company uh selling it is actually going to be able to to make decent sales with it that's the that's the one thing i don't understand now if it's the insurance companies that are covering it so Basically, uh, you know, the, the patient pays a percentage, you know, like let's say every month you pay X number of dollars into your insurance company. And part of the benefits is that they will cover, you know, 80% or more of the cost of a prescription drug, you know, well then, then the pharmaceutical companies can actually afford to bill out at that rate because well it's a, it's a faceless corporate it's a faceless company an insurance company that's paying for it uh they've got billions of dollars because they're busy bilking other people so we're not cheating the customer we're cheating the insurance company yeah insurance you know? company's probably not gonna pay for it either yeah. Face, faceless yeah. is a good point too because it's mm -hmm. another way that's that's their you know they're making it difficult to be held accountable yeah like you never it's, see these guys in the limelight you never see their names in the press people running these things no and anytime you do you get that oh god what was his name scarelli was that it uh yeah the, farmer yeah. bro yeah farmer bro yeah you know so one of the the second one of these guys actually does show their face well look what happened oh is it that little shit who uh yes basically yeah. bought the company and then just immediately hiked up the prices yeah and, 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 and that's just even though he's yeah he, and no, not just hiked it. They raised the prices back up again. Yeah, but this guy, he's he did in one fell swoop what uh, the pharmaceutical companies have been taking decades to do. They're just like yeah. it's it's like the boiling pot, you know, um, the frog in the boiling pot. They're just turning up the temperature bit by bit by bit by bit until well, the frog can't take it anymore. Yeah, but or by then it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> but, I was going to say, but by then it's too late. But you this know, guy is just, you know, he doesn't have the patience the, the big companies had, and he just did it right away. He just did it in, in an in-your-face way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and this is really the, where... The, the phone calls he must have got from the other uh, pharmaceutical companies must have been quite something to hear. Well, it, it was either, uh, are you fucking crazy, or you got balls, or you demand, depending on who was calling. Yeah. You know, um, or you're making it bad for the rest of us. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, when it comes to things like, like, especially life-saving medicine, it is a very, it's a nuanced topic, you know, to, to quote every president ever, you know, uh, uh, dealing with healthcare, it's a hard thing. It's not easy. Okay. That was a bad Barack Obama. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, you have... So, you, you, of course, the thought is, okay, look, this can save somebody's life or it can improve a quality of life, you know, or it can actually help people become productive members of society to contribute to the very economy that, you know, spawned this drug, 
why wouldn't you want to make it more available? But at the same time, um, it's something unique. So, you know, of course somebody wants to make money off of it or, you know, even at the beginning to recoup their costs. So it does become, at least in my head, it becomes a balancing act between, you know, profitability and uh, social responsibility. Would that be a good way of saying it? And here's the thing. Some of the companies try to, there are some companies out there that do recognize the fact that, hey, look, to make our drug, to make one dose of this drug, whatever the form, the dosage is in, literally costs them $100 to make it. Yeah. And because the fact that so few people in comparison to those who buy Tylenol and aspirin and all the other shit out there, our cost to manufacture to keep this thing running is higher than average. Therefore, we have to jack it up to $250 a dose to keep everything running and to keep enough of a profit to pay everybody and still make money and keep the company going for that particular line of product. That does actually exist depending on what kind of illness we're talking about and how long it tends to stay around for and whether this product can actually cure it or if it's just something to treat and minimize problems and complications and so on and so forth. And they'll set up programs where, look, because of government tax regulations and, and, and write-offs and everything else, we can have, give this drug a certain number of dosages to 100,000 people over the period of a year um, for free or for a higher discount than even the insurance companies can give. You know, there are programs like that mm -hmm. for some of these companies. Some companies have them for themselves, and then there's uh, <clears throat> companies out there that find ways to do write-offs and do it for them and so on and so forth. And that's that quote unquote noble sure um that's that's great you know especially since there's probably a lot of people that need those things that are in the zone of can't afford the fucker. but there's plenty of medications out there that are abnormally high in price for the only the sole reasons of greed that's the yeah. one <laughs> yeah exactly that has a very high demand and is actually relatively easy to produce in today's mm -hmm. technological environment. And yet they're still charging an arm and a leg and a heart and a lung for. Yeah. Well, and Bridget put the nail on the head there, insulin. Because as far as I know, I don't think short of a transplant or a pancreatic transplant, I don't think there's a cure for diabetes. Well, according to some uh, religious preachers out there, uh, they have the, what what the hell is it, miracle solution shit? Uh, med, med, bleach. So like I said, there, there really is no cure for diabetes. Um, so yeah, no. So a pharmaceutical company with no scruples uh, and wants to please a lot of shareholders also who have no scruples, um, they would recognize the fact that once you're on it, you're on it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a life sentence and it's a lot like, you know, blood pressure medication. Yes. If the person <clears throat> takes better care of themselves, there's a good chance that they could be weaned off of that medication or have it reduced to the point where they don't really, you know, eventually they don't need it. Um, but it still can be a chronic thing. 
you know, like myself, I've been on blood pressure meds now for Jesus, almost 15 years, if not more. And I'm probably not getting off it anytime soon. Uh, if the, if the pharmaceutical company or if the pharmacies up here were run the same way as they were down in the States, I would be bankrupt right now because of that very thing, because like, well, you know what? You constantly need it. Therefore it's either you pay us this or you die. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's almost extortion. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure some rep from a pharmaceutical conglomerate or whatever would probably have, you know, six tons of word salad to, to talk about this and using words that, you know, even the Oxford dictionary would look at and go, what the fuck are you saying? You know, to, to try to weasel their way out of it. But. Well, I know that we were, when I was working as, as farm tech, we were charging Medicare recipients $1,200 a month for insulin. And that was more the income than they were bringing in. Yeah. You know, and, and, and every time I think about that, I, I just envision somebody like Donald Trump doing the whole, you know, Yeah. you know, but it's, people were dying over it. Cause they're trying to ration it out, you know, take it every other day or whatever. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, kind of like, uh, uh, what is it? Um, consensual rape what yeah <laughs> you know it's it, it's kind of the same thing oh yeah you know you don't have to take it every day you don't have to listen to your doctor J just listen to me who's charging you you know twelve hundred dollars a month for this stuff that uh, will will save will keep you alive yeah when your income is eight hundred and fifty dollars a month yeah good luck with that mm-hmm oh it's it's insane and um you know i, I feel grateful that I, I live up here, that I have the job that I do, that I'm able to, to get the medications I need when I need them. I mean, I'll grant you that uh, spat I had with the antibiotic that I had to deal with my insurance company. I would be very interested to know, let's say another three years from now, I'd love to go and find out what they're charging for it at that point. And just so you guys know, I was paying with a subsidy like with a special agreement that I worked out with my insurance company, I was still doling out $1,200 a week oh. for uh, a daily um, IV injection of a particular antibiotic called daptomycin. And I, I felt, you know, I, I felt okay. But, you know, when, when I was in the hospital and I was getting it pumped into me for free, well, free for me anyway, you know, we, we talked about, okay, what, what is this fixing? And it, what it was, it was fixing an abscess that had formed during the operation I'd had. Yeah. And they'd said, yeah, you know, you may feel fine now, but if you go home, you know, six weeks from now, you're going to wake up and you're going to be in so much excruciating pain, or you're going to have a fever. Like basically you're going to die because this, this bacterial infection is going to go off like a nuclear bomb in your body. So we got to try to hit it. Now you have, I have a sensitivity to the regular treatment. It basically did, a, um, <laughs> it did something really bad to my kidneys, mm -hmm. which is why I had to get this alternative. You know, it's, it, I'm a one-off, yeah. but yeah, it was $1,200 a week. I'm still paying that off. Like my credit cards are still pretty high up there. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm doing my best, but, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to get it. And I'm grateful that I'm able to get the other medications that I have nowadays. I'm pretty sure that if, if I lived in the U S right now and had to go through everything I've gone through, we wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't forget, thanks to, uh, the, the wonderful health insurance systems that are available and laws and everything else, you can actually file from uh, bankruptcy due to medical bills. So I if you're not willing exactly, to shoot your credit to hell. Well, I would know, not exactly call that a good consolation. You, you know, there, there it, are people it, in this country that right now that their credit is so shot because of their medical bills and shit. Mm -hmm. They know that if their car breaks down or yeah, they're, they're cooked. Yeah. They, they will literally have no transportation huh? if they can't get the car working again. Yep. And I've seen public transit in, in some parts of, of your country. <laughs> and, uh, it, that ain't no alternative. Okay. Yeah. I have a buddy down here that I have a, an acquaintanceships with, and he and I both work on the same base. Um, I'm not going to give away any identifying information, even though I know he doesn't watch the show because his privacy doesn't need to be invaded like that. There are things that I know about the guy that other people I don't think really realize. This guy bicycles to work every day, whether it's rain, shine, tornado winds, whatever, because he doesn't run his car. He, he, they have his family, his family. It's, it's him, his wife and their kids. He doesn't run his car at all because it saves a lot of money to not have to run it, not to have to insure it or anything else mm -hmm. because of certain medical things that mm -hmm. I'm not mentioning. That's so funny. he does that for his family because, and, and here's the thing, I'm a contractor. He's a government employee with better medical insurance than I have. And he has to ride his bike to bicycle to work because of the medical system here in the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll admit, um, <clears throat> anytime that I was, uh, unemployed, I thankfully was not on any kind of, you know, medical requirements. I didn't have any medicines that I needed to take at the time or anything like that. But, um, so I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. As far as the Canadian medical system goes, I don't know what an unemployed person has or doesn't have. I mean, I could, I could go look it up and find out what that base Alberta health coverage gives me. I know for a fact that it pays for, it pays for any lab work that I get done. So if I have to go in for, for blood work or anything like that, it pays for uh, doctor's visits. Like if I go to a clinic, uh, I found that one out the hard way. Uh, I had moved and I hadn't updated, um, the local health authority that I changed my address. They, I had two visits and suddenly I got a phone call saying, yeah, um, your payment didn't go through. I'm like, what? And then they explained to me what happened. And I said, well, okay, how much is it? I said, oh, uh, for the two visits, it's $90. Okay. I phoned, uh, Alberta health. I said, yeah, I just moved to this new address and. Bada boom, it was done. I didn't end up, again, I didn't end up having to pay. Um, $90? That's it? 
now keep in mind this was uh, well this was almost this was almost 10 years ago so it, it may have changed but um but the bottom line with the baseline medical coverage i have here which is done by the province i can go into any walk-in clinic um i can go to doctors like i can go see a specialist i can go do anything and nothing comes out of pocket uh, things like my hospital stay, my prescription drugs, uh, certain medical aids like the, the CPAP and everything that I have now, <clears throat> that's all taken care of via third-party insurer, which I pay into uh, from the company I work for. Uh, we're, the entire company is under one insurance group, and it's, it's a blanket coverage. So I pay my dispensing fee. Uh, I do have a deductible, which I think is about $500. That's not so, bad at all. Try $3,000 down here. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard. I've heard horror stories about the deductibles yeah. down there. My, my deductible, um, because of my deductible, when I went to the MedExpress down here, because I couldn't get a doctor, we're having a serious problem where I live with doctors and being able to get appointments, you know, same day, let mm -hmm. alone next day. Uh, the nearest open availability for anybody in my area that fell under my plan was June. They said, well, if you've got a serious problem, go to the hospital. And I was like, <laughs> no. Uh, so I went to basically uh, what's called, it, it's kind of urgent care. It's a cross between doctor and hospital without the mm -hmm. uh, missing limb prep. Yeah. So, so basically you're not so, going to triage or anything like yeah. that. So <clears throat> if I didn't, if, if my deductible had been met, my copay would have been zero and or my co no my copay would still been the same but my bill would have been zero so my copay was 75 dollars, which is still less uh 100 would have been in the uh 100 150 i think was the emer would have been in the emergency room mm -hmm. regular doctor copay uh with a deductible would have been 50. um i've had better insurance where doctor was zero and like hospital was 50 but yeah this is the best I could get at this moment in time. And um, I know the bill's going to be coming in. I haven't seen it yet. But knowing what I know about my my um, thing, they're going to show me an explanation of benefits that shows how they negotiated the prices down, saving me all these wonderful amounts. And I'm still going to end up owing at least two $300, hmm. uh, which since the copay is at a $3,000 limit, that's going to take out close to a 10% snag out of it. And <laughs> um, then there's the medication. Uh, the medication, all the medication altogether was about $150. That was after them saying, uh, you know, the insurance saying, well, the medicine, you know, this medicine was actually 110. You're only going to be paying 30 because of us. I was like, I I wonder if it really was 80 or if it was just 80 at that dispensary, you know, hmm. which, you know, Walgreens, CVS, that sort of thing. How did they justify those prices? No, shareholders but, that's how they justify prices man they yeah, justify it to their shareholders we're always going back to the same situation and it all and it goes beyond um it goes beyond uh even insurance you'll you'll see the same thing happening everywhere as that um if people aren't 
they feel they don't have to justify the prices. And there's another conversation that that's hiding is um, what exactly is profit and what does it do to the economy? Mm -hmm. Because we're a labor-based market. Uh, we're yeah. a labor-based economy still. Uh, at least I, we're still operating on that. I guarantee you, these farmers, most of the, the most of the pharmaceutical companies that we hear about, where they're price gouging their their clients, so to speak, don't give a damn what it's doing to the general economy, as long as the demand yeah. says they got to have it or they die. Well, well, that's fucking evil. Well, and I mean yeah. that. Welcome and to that lends, No, but but that lends a lot to the whole. Um, to the big pharma conspiracy, you know, there, there, there's no profit in a cure. You know, that we, we've heard that when we've talked about this before. And that statement actually <clears throat> isn't a conspiracy statement. There, there might be a profit in the cure, and then there might be more profit in just treating the symptoms. It you doesn't know, it, mean, it doesn't mean that they found the cure and didn't release it. It just means that they may only be satisfied with having developed something that treats the symptoms and they have oh. not yet invested the money or even decided to even think about entertaining the idea of working on the cure. That's exactly it. Because right. like, it doesn't that mean also... that they found it and they're holding it back. Yeah. And, See, and that, that, that comes the conspiracy. And, and that there tech that Joseph's right. That, that is evil. Oh, it is and, evil. And it's a side note, like, for example, take the same things happening in the petrol industry. You know, there should be more investment in discovering alternate forms of energy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, better batteries and shit like that. Oh, but yeah. the, the research is simply not being done because, uh, well, it's being like how many times through history is the electric carbon squashed? Well, because yeah. it's just we're in a profitable like you look petrol, at that um... sucking something out of the ground. Yeah. And then selling it at a, a a price, a profit so extraordinary. It's called, not called a profit anymore. It's called a rift. Yeah. Like you've the, seen, um, have you guys seen the movie Demolition Man? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The cop cars. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. One thing I'm in the air and the next thing the car turns into a cannoli. Okay. Best yeah. freaking line ever. I, I, I laughed I so hard. But that car. That, that model was actually, I believe it was Chevrolet's pre, uh, first iteration of a fully electric vehicle. Uh, much as I'm loath to talk about the guy, Michael Moore did a thing about uh, that thing, about the, the death of the electric car. And I believe he cited that particular model that it just never made it to market. Um, I remember back in university, uh, they used to have the super mileage contest. And student engineering students would compete to build a vehicle to go the farthest on one liter of gasoline. And some of them is pretty impressive what they were capable of doing. Who was the sponsor of the contest? Shell oil. Where are these innovations for these super mileage vehicles? They've been shelved for the very reason that Joseph just talked, that there is little profit in supercars. <clears throat> you know, and I don't know if you've, and I don't know if you've seen recent, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was just, there's something else on the side too, because um, recently uh, 
<clears throat> there was a lot of noise going around about uh, well, when shale oil technology was coming into, when it was something new. Mm -hmm. um, that started because they said that uh, the oil's running out, and it turns out that even that was complete bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's just running out of the familiar places. Well, it's like it's another it's another marketing ploy. I mean, you say, mm -hmm. "Oh, there's not going to be any of this product soon, so get it while you can." Oh, b believe me, where I'm from, my hometown is a mining town. They've used that scare tactic every time the union starts talking. You know, it's like there's only enough ore in the ground to last the next three years. So why are we even bothering to get into uh, contract discussion? And then when the contract is passed and the workers are happy, oh, look, we've just discovered another vein. We're good for another 50 years, at least until five years later when the contract comes up again. And then it's the scare tactic. They've been doing this for, well, <laughs> as long as I've known that town to exist and as long as the steel workers have been there. You know, the, the, the threat of the scarcity of the resources is really nothing more than a fear tactic by you know, those who hold all the, you know, those company owners uh, just to try to justify some really shitty move that they do to, yeah, to screw the, the workers. Flowing into the same pockets. Yeah. Actually, uh, Joseph, I was going to ask you, um, and I, I don't know if we've ever asked you this before. Um, you've heard a lot about the Canadian side of, you know, how we deal with medical stuff. You've heard the American side. What's it like in France? Um, pretty good, actually. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, that, that's good to hear. Um, can we like, I'm thinking more in terms of. Okay. It's on both sides because, um, there's two things going on because, mm -hmm. uh, the medication here is, um, it, it's kind of between the U S and Canada actually. Okay. Because the medication costs here are pretty high, mm -hmm. but it's covered by social security. Okay. So but social security is probably more expensive here than it is in Canada. Okay. So like you yourself, you pay out of something like in taxes or a deduction off a paycheck or something into it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so depending on the salary, we, well, it depends well, we pay social security. Yeah. Well, I mean, we pay for, well, in Alberta, we used to pay, out of pocket uh, or a deduction of our paycheck for our provincial health insurance. But uh, back when oil prices were, <clears throat> were good, gas prices were through the roof and, you know, our government at the time was just rolling in cash. Uh, they put in plan a law that would actually have that monthly healthcare cost done by the government. So I don't pay for it anymore. It used to be 150 bucks a month for that baseline that I was talking about before. Now I don't pay for it. Um, okay. So if you, if you needed a medication, let's say, uh, an antibiotic and you go to a pharmacy, would you pay for it full price and then get reimbursed? Do you pay a portion? How does it work? Um, you pay a part over the counter mm -hmm. and the rest is covered. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's, so it's kind of like a copay, I guess. That's so basically what happens here in the States. You know, that, that's what I got with my insurance was there's a price that 
the pharmacy has set for that particular medication mm -hmm. for how it's written as a prescription. Yeah. And then the insurance company says, you can only charge our client X amount of dollars and um, that's it. And then you pay the money. Sometimes the insurance company, depending on the insurance you have, will say, you can only charge X amount of dollars. By the way, of the amount that you're charging our client, we will automatically pay for this amount. That way, the client can only, will only end up paying this other percentage. That's if you have the really good insurance. Yeah, and I don't even want to think about what the monthly See, cost for that would be. Well, well here's the thing. If I hit my $3,000 deductible, that aspect of my insurance would actually kick in. Mm -hmm. My insurance is not bad, but I'm, it's just my deductible is absurd. Yeah. And that's why so many people in the States, when you hear a politician go, oh, just get an HSA card, um, which is basic, basically it's a, a debit card that can be used as a credit card mm -hmm. that is specifically designed for medical bills and medical supplies. So I could literally use it, the money that's on it, to go buy Band-Aids. That's an HSA qualified product here in the States. Okay. As well as antibiotics, uh, you know, isopropyl alcohol, even Q-tips can, well, I think that one's a gray area. But anyway, but I can't go buy a cheeseburger with it unless I want to pay 30% on what I just paid in terms of paying back uh, taxes on it. Because what the money that's applied to it comes out of your paycheck before taxes. Hmm. The idea being that you save it for when shit hits the fan. But here's the thing. Even... You can't have a person go in and get, you know, an HSA card and be able to only afford to take 1% out of their paycheck to put on there because they need every dollar for their mortgage, their car, and everything else, and then get hit with a $3,000 bill and expect the HSA card to cover it. Yeah, so, so the HSA card is basically a reloadable debit card. Yeah, that you load yourself. It's designed. Yeah, it's it's designed for like a, the ultimate medical rainy day fund, but you you're the one that still has to build it yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you have rich politicians saying, "Oh, just use this." Yeah, just what? save up for an HSA, and it's like, well, what if you need a liver transplant? Nobody is going to have that much on their card. Well, like, except oh. the, except the one idiot that's waving it around, going, "Just use this." Okay, can I have that one, sir? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you probably don't want that one because that's probably the one they got in the mail from the credit card company as an advertisement um, card. Two and a half million to go through chemo? Yeah. yeah. I've just got that pocket change. No big deal. Hey, yeah. I, I got a great idea. I'll just ask for a loan from my folks, just like, you know, the other politicians. It worked for them, right? Yeah. Can you float me a million? <laughs> yeah. Just go up to Trump Tower and knock on his door and say, dude, you know, you, you, you did it for your, you know, from your dad. So we're just going to borrow a million from your account. You're good for it, right? Uh, careful, he might not be. I've been hearing some stories. About his, <laughs> his losses have been pretty uh, catastrophic. His, uh, check might bounce. Yeah. No, his head might bounce. Yeah, and, and I that goes a lot to sort of this this mental separation between you know the, the haves and the have-nots. And and again, I, I I'm say to say this, but you know I, I do come from sort of the the have side, you know. And anytime it was without work, I had EI because I'd put into it for so long from other jobs. Yeah. You know, I'd always worked to get another job and I've, <laughs> I've done some shit. You know, I, I installed furniture for a while. I sold, I was a salesperson for a while and I hated it because mm. 
Um, okay, I, I can't stand salespeople. Especially these days, now that I have to basically build stuff that other people have sold, and most of the time it's almost a lie. Yeah. Uh, I actually had one, and I think I said this one before. We were having a meeting. I was, yeah, this is the second project I've been working on at my new job, that where I am now. And we were selling uh, a software solution to a company but they didn't really have the IT infrastructure to maintain the necessary servers, connections, et cetera, to make it work. We had been experimenting with hosting a system like this so that they, they could access it through Citrix. Uh, basically, they go to a website, the application fires up, and it looks like it's running on their computer. Uh, you know, cool stuff. We were experimenting with it. Like we weren't even in alpha mode at this point. We got into the kickoff call with the client. And five minutes before the client came on, we were talking with the salesperson and she said, so we have the hosted system ready to go. The guy who'd been experimenting on it was sitting in the room with us. And he kind of looked at us and went, no, we don't. You know, it's still in heavy testing right now. It's just, and the, the salesperson said, literally, well, you better get it running fast because I told these people that we do this all the time. I have never, outside of politics, I have never seen so much bullshit thrown around a conversation to a client in my life. <laughs> <clears throat> Needless to say, that salesperson no longer works for us. We did manage to pull it off, but oh my God, was it painful. But anyways, like I said, I've done some shit jobs in my time, but I always wanted to, just so that I could work. You know, so I, I've never really had the situation where I was staring down the barrel of getting thrown out of my home or having to miss life-saving medication. So... You know, maybe I do have a bit of an ivory tower look at things. And, you know, when I hear stories of people not being able to afford medication or can't go to the hospital because of money, it just, I'm left speechless that there are, <coughs> well, A, that there are people in that situation in countries as, well, I mean, hey, we consider ourselves first world, you know, we're supposed to have all this other, you know, poverty and crap behind us, yet we don't. But then that there's also people out there who are kind of like that insurance guy in the Incredibles. You know, I used to think that guy was a joke. Apparently not. No, he's not a joke. They're I know. And, and, and again, I was just, I'm floored by, by the fact that this exists. In, in supposedly, you know, one of the richest countries in the world where, where everybody wants to come to America, you know, because it's the land of opportunity. Like, put it this way. You guys got some pretty good PR. You've got a hell of a, a, hell of a group of salesmen out there. Because if the reality is kind of like the, some of the stories I've been hearing here, why the hell would anyone want to show up at your doorstep? Yeah, don't leave me hanging here, guys. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it, it, the, the thing is, is with our country, 
it's still a land of opportunity. The problem is, is it's it's nuanced. It's all depends on context. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the chance, quote unquote, chance to become a billionaire if they play the game the right way. The problem is part of well, part of the problem is that the system has been systematically been and is currently still being tweaked and changed, manipulated by those who are in the top 1% to prevent others from coming up the food chain. Exactly. And you have a lot of people right now who are fighting each other saying, well, no, 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 all the stuff you're fighting for isn't valid because you see all these people in 1% here are obviously privileged. That means you're privileged. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're making inappropriate and analogs here just because the side of the men or the side of the women or the side of the haves and, 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 and or whatever, this 1% of group of whatever that's controlling everything are ultimately privileges and everything else. It doesn't mean that we need to take away these rights or stop fighting for certain things. The people need to realize, and right now, the politicians, news, some news organizations, and some probably outside source uh, um, uh, sources of manipulation are doing a very good at dividing the ninety nine percent from actually sitting down having a conversation where they're not tearing each other's throats out for each other's opinions Mm -hmm. and then doing research, vetting the research. Okay. Vetting the statistics, vetting the pricing and, and showing the comparisons and showing the context behind statements and everything else and being civil. I can sit down with a theist and have a civil conversation, even if they're a die in the wool, whatever, as long as they choose to be civil. But if they're taught or if they're of the mindset that anytime you disagree with me, I have to shut down the conversation, I can't have a conversation with that theist. Mm-hmm. Case in point, my SO is a theist. More of a DS now than anything. But the point is a believer in something. Mm-hmm. And we have conversations all the time. And the first thing that we agreed to when we got into a relationship was SO would not try to convert me. I would not try to convert SO. But we knew we would talk about these things to see how it affects each other, to see each other's worldview. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. we want to have a relationship. Therefore, we need to have a conversation. And I love our conversations together because I see their viewpoint. They see my viewpoint. And sometimes we disagree on something. But then we talk about why we disagree. And if I could have a conversation like that with anybody on any topic whatsoever, whether it was politics or medicine or theism or deism or which porn magazine makes the best wank material it would be great and that would be a start and then other people you know Mm -hmm. should be doing that and yeah that is the problem like these days reactionaries are are the thing and a lot of the media organizations these days 
they want the hot take. They want the clickbait. Oh. Um, they they want the outrage because that's what that's what sells them. That, that's what gives them the clicks, the ad revenue that they're expecting. Like you you see a an, uh, there was a a movie about that. <clears throat> uh, there was a lady who was a journalist who was a very good one, a television journalist, did research and things like that. Mm -hmm. I forget her name. I got to look it up, add the link to it and all that. But um, they made a, a, a movie about her life because her superiors kept pushing her to find more things to get more and more views, more and more views. Yeah. It was getting the views, the violence, the negativity, and everything else. And it affected her so badly uh, if I remember correctly, she ended up killing herself. Yeah, no, probably to, to make the news. And that's what's going on right now, except it's happening more so because our technology and our means of communication are advancing so fast that nobody's taking the slower time. Yeah. Growing up, how many times did you used to read the newspaper? Br Bridget, did mm -hmm. you used to read the newspaper growing up? Yeah. Okay. When you read the newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. How long until all you and your friends were talking about something that happened in the newspaper and, you know, telling all your friends around the world about it? All my friends around the world didn't know <laughs> around the world. Yeah. That's right. Your, your friend group was a lot smaller, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't have an internet back then. <laughs> and, and, and when you wanted to talk about what you had read in the newspaper that morning or that evening, how long did you have to wait to tell them? Uh, the next day at school. Okay, so you had some time to sit and think about what you read, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now how fast does it take for your... You have um, little ones, right? Mm-hmm. How I'll long does it take now. them to talk about what's in the news with their friends? Oh, instantly. Mm -hmm. How many people do they talk with? A lot. My daughter does live streaming, so a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, um, okay, I, I need to confess uh, something here. So for, forgive me, everybody, I may have sinned. Uh, one guy I listen to or I watch a lot of on um, on YouTube is Tim Pool. You guys have probably heard the name. I've heard the name. I'm not familiar with. Okay. He is um, <laughs> politically and, and he'll repeat it till the cows come home. He's, he's more of a center left person politically. He has no problem calling out either side of the spectrum on anything. Uh, you know, definitely does not like Trump. Uh, he's got a real problem with him, but um, he's got, he's got a real sort of a hate boner for a lot of the, the media these days. Mm -hmm. Be because of that whole outrage thing, you know, like he's, uh, he was actually the guy, um, you've heard of vice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vice used to have like a, a fairly decent news section. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that created it. He used to work oh, for, wow. he, he used to be vice news, hmm. but, but, um, vice wanted to get more into the clickbaity outragey thing. And he said, no, fuck you. I'm out of here. Now he's independent. Uh, he's actually got his own, uh, he's working on his own new system now. It's called Subverse. Not to be confused with that particular video game that's coming out pretty soon. 
<laughs> as, as a matter of fact, there's a little bit of legal uh, legal shenanigans going on with that currently. Oh, it's shenanigans. But anyways, um, uh, Subverse is like, a, it's a mobile news system. Like, and it's not just him. He actually has other journalists and not, not, not activist journalists on the ground at certain places, like at demonstrations, other events. Uh, they covered, I think, one of the last big things in France recently with the yellow vests. Uh, and they actually get there and they interview people. Like, there's no, there's no bias. There's no political leans. It's just, it's the facts. It's the figures. It goes onto YouTube. It's, you know, sort of narrated by the people who actually shot the footage. Um, it, it, it's pretty good. I honestly... Um, he, he does call out quite a few people on the left, but that's just because there's a lot of stuff for, the, for him to call them out on. But he's not afraid to go after the right as well, despite what a lot of people say. Um, but he's, yeah, he's definitely gotten in for a lot of these, like BuzzFeed, Now This, Vice, mm -hmm. Vox. Uh, he's called out the New York Times. He's called out Huffington, the Washington Post on on stuff that is just, and what kills me is that I have friends on social media who all they do is retweet or retweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do retweet, but they, they share now this Buzzfeed. And by the time I've looked, by the time I see the article in sort of my newsfeed, I've already heard about it and I've already had it disassembled by like two other journalists. They'll go like, yeah, you're posting bullshit there, my friend. You know, I just wanted the heart to tell them because I really, I don't have the time or the patience. I, I'm not Shujin. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time or the patience to get into a great big freaking flame war with, with paragraphs of vitriol uh, between me and somebody else on Facebook. I uh, Look, if, if I didn't work, if I didn't have so many other things to think about, okay, maybe I would. But no, I just, <laughs> I've even got to the point where somebody, if I make a post or if I make a comment on something and then somebody else just rips into me, I'll just delete the comment. Cause like, you know what? I don't have the time to deal with people like you. Sorry. You know, I'd love to carry on this conversation a bit further, but I have to go to work. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I just have a huge problem with, with mainstream media these days. And just the fact that they are, they're not helping the situation. Like if you have to question every single article that you see, you know, on, on digital media and the, the, the bad thing about digital media is that if, if you get called out on something, well, they can just go in and creatively edit it. So unless you've actually captured it, uh, you may never have any proof that they either lied or screwed something up. Archive.org. You'd hope. There's if a few things a missing from there, believe it or not. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's uh, because they've got little bots going out. Um, yeah. So like when it comes to they don't, they don't catch everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I, um... it is surprisingly good at catching most things though. Yeah. When I look at when I look at sort of you know like call out videos and stuff like that on YouTube and um, really you know like oh this person tweeted this and then what they do is they screen cap it right away because they know that within an hour that tweet's gone or that post on Facebook's gone. So they, 
they screen cap it, they save it, and then they'll post it later to back up whatever story they had. But well, we don't have news anymore. We have infotainment. Yeah. And, you know, well, it, investigative journalism. That's there have and, been and, multiple and times. Magazines that are still doing it are suffering. Like, um, I don't know if you still read the New Yorker. Hmm. Um, yeah. I... Well, and again, and that's, that's one thing I like about uh, Tim is that he's trying to sort of keep the old journalism thing alive. Like he's, he's trying to still be an investigative journalist and he's trying to put a, a team together with that same passion to do it. So it's, it's kind of a dying art in the mainstream, but you know, maybe on the independent circuit, there's still a possibility. There's, there's a problem. There's another greater problem too. And also um, how these kind of uh, initiatives are financed because there's no means, um, you know, crowdsourcing is a thing nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like example, if you or I, if you or I wanted to, you know, invest in, um, you know, give a dollar or two, kind of like Patreon style. Yeah, yeah. To a newspaper that does do investigative journalism, if there are some easy means for me to get my dollar to them, uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But that doesn't really exist. I uh, mean, like yeah. systems like uh, crowdsourcing and um, and like Patreon and all that. I'm sorry to say. Uh, it that smacks of charity more than anything. It's not, but but these for me these 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 journalists, um, investigative journalists, and people who who actually do the work. I mean, they're mm -hmm. actually doing work. They earn every penny they they yeah. they make. But there's no system in place to 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 make them earning a dollar an easy thing. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, it, it would be nice if you know we could get money into the hand, like directly into the hands of you know people who are actually doing the job, rather than you know paying a subscription for a website or a webzine or whatever that you know does. They're still operating does... on the old system. I don't understand why they haven't adapted to the new technology. <clears throat> I mean, probably because they don't know how to do it effectively. Yeah. Well, they, there's nobody's taking the initiative. Everybody's you know, I, waiting I, for everybody else. <laughs> well, I have, you know, I've, I worked one company I worked for before this one. Uh, this is when social media was just getting started. You know, Facebook was a thing that, you know, okay, well, Mostly it's for people to keep in touch with friends and family across the world. There's a little bit of news. Some businesses are trying to leverage it. You know, some businesses were trying to leverage Twitter, which they're still having trouble with, if you ask me. We actually hired somebody. And her job was to be the social media person. You know, to, to, to keep tabs on social media and try to direct people to the website that I'd built so that they could see what kinds of, uh, what kind of products we had for sale, um, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's all she did. And then uh, I was reading in website magazines, you've heard of SEO, like search engine optimization. SEO. You know, 
yeah, how to get yourself into into the top ten on Google. Oh, uh, before the bubble burst, that that was a huge way to make money. That was oh, yeah, no, that was my trade. Oh, okay. So yeah, you obviously you know about it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Preaching acquired on that one. I even worked for Google for uh, after my back accident. It was the only job I could do, which is actually why I'm in uh, uh, computer stuff now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, validating their fucking search results mm-hmm. is probably mm-hmm. the most boring job anybody could ever do. But I can only imagine. Ugh. You know, but and I remember reading like I, I glossed over a couple of articles. You know, on, on how to optimize search engine performance and I never really paid it much mind because it, it was just, again, it wasn't something I really wanted to get into at the time, but you know, I remember those meetings with the CEO of the company and with other people like, okay, how do we better present our brand? And unfortunately, a lot of these media companies that you said are doing it the old fashioned way, I don't think they know how to do it any better. I honestly don't think that there is, at least in their head, a better model for them that could um, that they, that they're as confident in. I think that's what um, it is. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of questions in that. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of questions because I mean, um, well, to start with, is their business honest? Are they being honest about their their yeah. their, their sales pitch? Because you know. Um, if they're making a profit where, if they're making an unjustifiable profit, um, you know, uh, their sales pitch is going to be, uh, for the gullible basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, well, they have to find a model that works for that. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have an honest business and you have an honest sales pitch, um, that's a legitimate question, what you just said. But um, mm-hmm. if you're gouging people, um, well, it's completely something else. Yeah. Like, and that's, um, that's just gaming the system, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in terms of, um, like you were saying about getting money into the journalist's hands, uh, again, I go back to, I go back to Tim Pool again, because it's really the only one I've listened to in a while. Uh, he does have things like Patreon. Uh, you can actually, he also has set up cryptocurrency accounts. So if you want to pay in Bitcoin or anything like that, he, he actually, he's not on Patreon anymore. He's on a couple of other things, uh, but he is sort of directly funded. He's crowdfunded by people. Um, and through that, he's actually, uh, he's purchased a van so that he can okay. start doing, he can actually do mobile journalisting. So if there's an event down by the river. Yeah, if there's an event down by the river, he can get in his van, which he's actually working on getting, uh, for lack of a better term, teched out. It's going to be a mobile news platform. Um, like he's really taking it seriously, and you know, good on him for it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I would. I'm going to put links to his uh, YouTube channels in the uh, in the show notes on this one. I think. Um, again, I. I'm not trying to show any kind of bias here or anything like that. It's just that um, I found him to be a pretty good source of, um, to me, he feels much more balanced in terms of uh, politics and everything like that. I mean, but like anyone, take him with a grain of salt. Um, 
But I'd say it's definitely worth uh, taking a listen to. You know. But again, that's just me. <laughs> wow, did we? We kind of went down that one, didn't we? We started started talking about prescription drugs. Now we're talking about mainstream media. Yeah, but <laughs> we're 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 talking about the same thing. Well, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but no, I mean, you're right. It's, it's it's not just exclusive to that. We've got a fucking big problem with our economy, mm -hmm. and honestly, it's around our concept of work, our concept of profit. I mean, this is a conversation we have to have. And the trouble is, uh, like Tech said, we're so busy in fighting. But that that's no, what they want. Yeah, that's and no exactly one's willing to want. have, no one wants to have the conversation because they're so outraged right now. Well, it's not that. And also thinking is hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say. No, but, you, you're you know, absolutely right. Because media tends to set the tone of the conversation. And if, if you're going down a rabbit hole that few have followed, um, people are going to hesitate to follow the conversation too. Yeah. Why? Um, let, let someone else do the thinking for you so that you can just stay plugged in and listen to what we tell you. And that is the root of every fucking problem. <laughs> it comes down mm. to that because I mean, um, you know, we tend to defer to authority to shift, responsibility um you know uh yeah. we we tend to want to have faith quote unquote in in leader provider deciders you know that um who we count on to maintain our state of comfort well but these uh, guys are abusing i mean yeah. normally technology uh should have made everything super cheap for all of us for mm -hmm. everybody and this is extending to developing countries and all that there's no reason why they shouldn't have access to this too but in, to... instead uh, the the powers that would be they're dealing in isolationism and they're they're trying to maintain control over a market yeah and through that just to keep the money flowing into the same pockets they're trying to stagnate the system well and i mean think about what you just said there about getting into other countries and you look at some of these more authoritarian regimes out there, you know, they want to restrict the internet. They want to censor it because they're, I would say well, they're they got, afraid. They've, I, they've got their own game going on. Yeah. But I would also say that they're afraid that if people in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if people in their country were able to carry on conversations or, see news from other countries, you know, and, and see what kind of values they had and see, gee, you know, over here, we could really use something like that, you know, but then that challenges the current regime's uh, reign of power. Well, of course, they're going to want to stop that because it, it could mean that they would end up out on the street or they would end up losing that authority that they currently have. So yeah, they want to hang on to it as best they can. Because, but, but why <clears throat> also, because, um, because these guys actually, it, if you follow that rabbit hole, uh, they're probably getting kickbacks from whoever's exploiting their, uh, resources. 
Halliburton, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's the only one that came to mind because, it, you know, yeah, no, um, no, you're probably right. Well, just yeah. you know, it's a question to be asked. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, saying definitively with certitude yeah. because I mean, um, you know, uh, there are countries where, well, as politicians, they have their own game going on, but uh, nobody wants anything, they don't have any resources. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, the only reason they're in control is because, you know, they, the, the magical sky daddy talks directly through them. Yeah, well, because, I mean, even uh, over, like, every church is, uh, uh, it's a local economy, you know, with um, whatever message they're giving, it seems it works mm -hmm. on, a, on, uh, on their immediate surroundings, on their following. Yeah, it's... Uh... So if you can be that, basically... The biggest problem with our economy today is that and the reason why nobody's challenging it is because instinctively i get the impression that everybody wants to be that guy who doesn't work who just rakes everything in mm -hmm. nobody really wants to work and nobody wants to think so at the base of it all even before greed it comes down to laziness if you yeah. see, you're making a generic statement that that is globalizing, saying nobody wants to work. I'm not saying nobody. I'm saying you, that's no. A, you actually did say that. You did say nobody I mean wants it, to work. Okay, but you you know full well that I don't mean everybody. I mean it's a it's a trend. Then, right. So say that the trend shows that there's a significant amount of people who demonstrate the lack of a desire to work regardless of what they're actually thinking or feeling their actions demonstrate this so therefore that way we don't actually end up um you know inadvertently attacking people who do actually want to work who do want to you know earn the things that they obtain do you really um, think that I meant? Okay, maybe I should pay more it's, attention. It's not to that, a matter but... of what I think you meant. It's a matter of how it can be insinuated by other people listening. And that, again, is also part of the problem is <clears throat> okay, language. So we have people out there who will have a conversation who, remember I was saying, is we'll, we'll sit down, we'll have a conversation, and they'll make a generalized statement. And now they've just pissed off the person they're talking to who has an opposing viewpoint because they fall under that blanket statement, even though it wasn't intentional. It happened. Okay. I, th I think, and this is also something that people have to be able to determine because in our conversation between and, and us, you're right. It, it is something that... between us. It's, it's, it, it's evident that I did not mean absolutely everybody. I knew where you met, but I'm using okay. it as an example of part of the problem in America in terms of communication or lack thereof and the conversations being shut down, there are a whole lot of generalizations going out. For example, for example, thank you, Bridget. That was adorable. <laughs> um, it was in private chat, but mm -hmm. anyway, um, we'll have people who will say, well, if you don't agree with me on this, then you're just like everybody else who's completely against me. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's a generalized statement. Just because I don't agree here. with that one particular aspect 
doesn't mean that I disagree with the statement as a whole, but they take it that way. They take the generalizations. They take those sorts of things as a personal attack. That's why people like that won't listen to, uh, for example, uh, Ben Stiller. Uh. (laughs) It goes back to having the conversations, being able to sit down and have Mm -hmm. it. There are plenty of conservatives that I personally know and plenty of Republicans that I personally know now, not politicians, but like regular run of the mill people that I can sit down and have a conversation about politics with. And we may end up continuing to disagree when we're done, but we respect each other because we take the time to understand one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're, that's kind the of problem from a point. It's my, my question is simple. If you could earn tons of profit without lifting a finger, would you do it? No. Because for me, the the whole earning a profit without lifting a finger thing means that somewhere, somewhere else in that line of that profit making, somebody else is paying that cost that exactly. and doing that work. Okay. And I want to know. This is what I want. And, this is and what I want to know exactly the context. What I, was pointing at. I want to know the context of what is it costing them to make me that profit? If it's, I made the company and built it from the ground up and now I'm the head executive who built this entire company from the ground up. I did all the original footwork. I did all the sleepless nights. I did all the working on the weekends without compensating myself. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And now I've hired everybody underneath me and I'm reaping the rewards of it. That is one potential aspect of that statement but it's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of executives who just get hired for a position, work there for three, four, or five years if they're lucky, if they don't get fired after two, and then walk away with millions, hundreds, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and then they, whether or not they improve the company. Okay. Okay. So let, let's let's like, roll yeah, this one a little. Yeah. Let's roll this one a little bit more. So, okay. So Joseph, you had said um, if you were able to profit without doing anything would you work? And tech, you said you'd still want to know. Well, yeah, context, but you want to know where it came from. It's like, like, how is it that you're able to benefit? Now let's roll this one a little bit further. Let's go, let's go Star Trek. So you've got replicators that take care of your food, take probably take care of your clothes, all that kind of stuff. There is theoretically no need to work because a salary is no longer a motivator because again, you just walk up to your, you you walk up to your replicator, you say, Hey, I want this and you get it. So theoretically there's no need to get out of your house other than wanting, you know, if if you wanted to work. So the question is, would you want to? (laughs) Most people would. Oh, okay. Um, And and I say this because, it, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the generic statement of most people would when I'm saying this, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a very specific version of the word work. Okay. See, work doesn't necessarily imply something that you don't want to do. It implies doing an activity. Okay. For me. And for that benefits something? more than just you. Exactly. Right. So work is benefiting work- your fellow human. My work might be painting and, and, and paintings benefit people. Not everybody's going to appreciate my painting, but I'm willing to bet there's somebody out there that will. 
or I might be my my work might be singing. I used to do choir for over a decade. You know, I may end up joining a choir, and that benefits a lot of people. There are people in Star Trek who are janitors. They've shown them, mm-hmm. you know, in certain movies that there are people who they go in and they just clean things because that's they're they're good at that, you know. And maybe they're happy doing it. And it might be. There are other people who strive and work their butt off to get their education so that they can be get onto the starships and explore. Some people wanted to become chefs because even though you have a replicator, somebody has to make the recipe that the replicator makes. <laughs> and some people just like a good home cooked right. meal once in a while. And they've all in, in no matter how many movies we've watched, they all agree that there is a taste difference between home cooked and replicated which means there's something going on that replicators are not perfect well uh, okay okay but i i guess the point i was be getting nutritionally at, perfect yeah I, I guess the, the point i was getting at is if if survival like basic survival was not dependent on you having a job so if you knew that you did not have to work a day in your life and nobody else had to uh, had to carry that for you, would you still go out and do something? Or would you sit home and play video games all day? Well, I don't know about Bridget, but I get bored out of my mind pretty damn quick. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. It's, um, it's hard, but the kind of thing, it's, it's it, not only is it impossible to make a blanket statement about this, but it's it, it's a possible to know everybody's mind that's true that's true and I, I i honestly think that if like if tomorrow you're also looking at a different society yes because don't forget thanks to like first contact and everything else we learned that the world went through like another war that almost devastated them and it while zephyrin cochran did make warp uh his, his discovery of warp travel in the ship he ah. was thinking money you know it changed their mentality yeah no i i guess so kitties it's just um i don't know i think back about like a a lot of things i've been hearing lately about certain economic plans and the resulting like what would result of it i'd like to think that there would be an adjustment period where yeah there'd be a lot of people just like you know what i don't have to do anything but then after you know a couple of years people would eventually start doing something. Like you said, it could be painting. It could be joining a choir to entertain. There was a study about this somewhere. Mm, I, I would very much like to see that study because like, how can you, I think it also has to do, but I think it has a lot to do with moral integrity actually about, um, the ability to think for oneself. I mean, who would, who would want to be dependent on another human for survival? I mean, basically, when you're when you're not um, when you're when you're not working and your income is coming from elsewhere, that's exactly what you're doing. Well, yeah, and I mean, I've I've been on employment insurance a couple of times. Uh, we up here we call it. Pokey. And you feel guilty about it? I did. I, I yeah. very much did. I I felt unworthy. 
<laughs> I'll tell no, you about my feelings after we make sure, yeah. you know, get everybody across the panel first. Yeah. But, but like I said, I, I was on it for probably, let's see, I left one job. I went contracting. This was in 99 uh, because, you know, Y2K was coming and all us, all us contractors, we were going to make a killing making sure that we were keeping the world safe from that dreaded Y2K. Uh, that didn't quite work the way we'd all hoped. Uh, <laughs> I was Thanks, I, Microsoft. Yeah, I spent a, I spent a year and a half basically hand to mouthing it from one contract to another. Uh, did not end up staying in one place for very long. Was on the dole for a bit. Uh, did not like it, especially considering my wife was still working full time. And I think that was the hardest part is that she would come home at the end of the day. I would have a meal ready for her, which thankfully, Ooh. well, no, apparently my cooking is okay. Uh, kept her alive all this time and it's kept me alive this time, all this time. But I felt, I felt like I wasn't really contributing as much as I should. And even though the checks that came in were, were good and they helped us take care of the bills and everything, I did not, I did not want to be in that position. I mean, I, I ended up taking a job as a furniture installer. I was working eight bucks an hour, uh, putting together furniture that ironically the company I worked for before constructed. So at least I knew the parts inside out. Um, I did that for a few months and then the company that I left actually asked me to come back as their IT manager because the person who replaced me had left. And I was one of only two people in the world that knew how their software worked because I built it. So, yeah. um, and I, I was glad to come back, but you know, why did I go back? I need, I went back cause I needed the money. If, uh, if you, hmm? if you, if you follow that down, um, that rabbit hole down, yeah. um, it's, it's basically it comes down to empathy. I mean, just being, aware of yourself and being aware of your place in, yeah. in, in humanity. Well, but you see, I don't know if it was like, yeah, it, it was a self-esteem thing definitely for me personally, but how much of that I wonder had to do with my upbringing. You know, my dad, my, my dad worked, he was well, a nine to fiver until he retired. My mom got a job to, um, you know, to, to make her feel good, uh, especially after I was able to take care of myself, because that way, you know, I could come home and I could start, I could start dinner rather than waiting for her. Um, so me, may, maybe I had an ethic, a work ethic drilled into my head saying that the only way you're going to be a worthy member of society is if you have gainful employment. That's not quite it though. Because what if you're, okay. you could do a pointless job. I mean, like a lot of people in today's economy, they're basically cogs to a profit-making machine. They're not even aware, really, of... Mm -hmm. Like people in the coal mining industry, for example. Mm -hmm. um, or somebody working for an insurance company. You know, somebody, uh, I don't know, for, uh, just take one of these jobs. So, like, you know, these profit-making machines. Somebody who's, you know, these, these pharmaceutical companies who are doing actual damage. Um, imagine somebody employed in one of those. 
try mm -hmm. to apply that mentality to them. And they're just trying to earn a buck, basically. Yeah. But um, they, to earn that buck, they have to divorce themselves from that self-analysis that you're that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I suppose you. I guess in some places you do have to kind of throw your ethics out the window if you're going to make a buck at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Every difficult time in life, I'm sure you've done something that you didn't want to do and you've regretted it. Uh, uh, yes, uh, nothing. I will get into any uh, major detail on this show, but uh, <laughs> okay. you no, know, you're you're right. You're right. I've. Uh... I'm sure we can still find old videos, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see now, thankfully, a lot of that bullshit happened before YouTube was even a glimmer in somebody's eye. So no, there hey, there VHS. are no videos. No, no, no. There's 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 no VHS. There's no eight millimeter. In some um, dad's basement somewhere. <laughs> But if we go back to how people feel about taking their unemployment, I think that your part of your feelings were based on being how you were raised. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that was explained to me by my parents when I was growing up mm -hmm. was that unemployment was there for you to use. Because that when you're working, when you are working, part of your money is going into the unemployment system Yep, as a kind of a parachute, if you will, yep. not, not anything like what the other execs get, but as a parachute so that when you're in between jobs and you're having a hard time, you have something there to compensate, but it's not to be abused. So, my mentality was when I needed it for a limited period of time was, <coughs> am I abusing this? No, I'm not because I'm legitimately going out and putting in uh, resumes. I'm submitting online and doing the website thing. I'm reaching out periodically to contacts that I have to see if there's any openings for things that I qualify for and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, I'm checking all the checkmark boxes for the unemployment stuff. And I ended up doing that for a brief period of time. I never once felt guilty about the whole thing. The only thing I truly felt was I'm confused. I keep hearing freaking politicians saying how easy it is to abuse the system, but there's a whole lot of paperwork I got to do here. This is work just doing this. Shit. Well, Okay. No, no, you're right. But I, but I have another question. No, I, I want to counter that with another question. Um, so, and again, I had to do the same thing, you know, the, the check boxes. But when I submitted that form, because back then we actually had to go to the office and hand the form in. Mm -hmm. Well, the I first did, time I did it, I did it in person. Yeah. But I did not have to show I, I did not have to show them photocopies of the applications I'd filled out and submitted. I did not have to show them uh, proof of where I'd sent resumes. See, I didn't have to do any of that for my first submission either. Yeah, but it was just I'm, a continuing process was yeah, after but, the fact. But tech, what I'm saying is when you're talking about people gaming the system, now this is my cynic coming out. Yes, I actually do have a cynical side. When a person wants to game the system, if all they have to do is fill out the check marks and send it in, if there's if there's no way to vet those check marks, I'm not sure what it's like in the States, 
But if you don't, if there's no vetting system in place, then it's fairly easy to game. I yeah, would I'm, think. I'm thinking each state does everything a little bit differently Probably. because part of the process here in Maryland mm -hmm. is that if you're on it for a particular period of time, yeah. they send you to a class, mandatory class that you have to go to for a couple days. Oh, wow. The class teaches you two things. Mm -hmm. Number one, how to write your resume for the job that you're applying for. <laughs> two, how to interview for the job you're applying for. Guess what? Um, several, I, okay, so I've been to several different colleges, even though I don't have a degree. I'm uh, like I tell many people, I am a multi-tool. I am a jack of all trades. I'm not a specialist in anything. I'm the handyman in IT. So um, w one of the things that uh, I, I found in every university was all the universities had some kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. However, not one of them was mandatory. They were all either electives or after hours kind of volunteer thing. And in some cases, they were only available for a very short window in the entire um, uh, semester. And if you didn't take advantage of it at that tiny little window, yeah, you know, Until I had, when I was in college, we had a, we had a course called career development or card as we called it. And one of the, one of the things that you had to do, of course, was write your resume. This will tweak every philosopher that's listening to this uh, today and in the year 3025. Mm -hmm. um, so we were given sort of basic guidelines on how to write a resume. Now, I would say out of my entire class, I was one of maybe 5% of people that actually had held some decent jobs prior to going to school. Because, uh, I mean, I'd worked heavy industry, uh, copper smelter. I'd worked other jobs, sales. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Growing up, um, again, I, I grew up in a mining town. So there was one company that was sort of the core of the town. Uh, it, it was the northernmost smelting facility in, North, in, in the world, I think, or at least in North America. To the point where we are by rail. We're 12 hours from the town of Churchill, which is right on the shore of Hudson Bay, which used to be a big trade hub or and could still be again. I've been hearing some some rumbles lately. But anyways, um, we would get the ore from surrounding area mines into that place. It was milled down into basically powder, dried, roasted, and then melted in our smelter. The copper was separated. The zinc was collected yeah. Of course, at that temperature, zinc is a gas. Let that sink in. Um, yeah, I've been looking into blacksmithing. There, there, there's some like warning. <laughs> if you're if if you're bringing this down to a, a metal to do a you know mold pour and all that other stuff, uh, don't use that same temperature for these other things because of mm, health hazard. You know that could result in uh, death. <laughs> Yes, I have a few burns on my head, on my body um, that I can attest to. But anyways, um, but, but getting back to it, the, the writing of the resume. 
so but the, but the thing is it was so nuanced and so varied how do you assign a passing grade to an assignment that theoretically has no right and no wrong answer well, as far as the um, writing the resume thing and interviewing the resume thing, they were following a template, a generalized template that worked in more cases than not. Yeah. Right. But and so while you may not get everybody uh, a job because you're having them write these resumes and these generally accepted, I, I, I'll tell you this right now, what it used to be like writing a resume versus what's going on in today's society are two different things. Now you write your resume, they go, oh, this is great. Uh, go ahead to our website and upload it there. You upload it there, it parses it, and you still got to fill in your resume all over again, but well, in their website format. Do you but remember, um, I don't know if you ever saw these, uh, they were business cards, but they were cut from a CD-ROM. You yep. ever see those? I still have one. Yeah. And somewhere. Yeah. So if you threw those, threw those into a CD reader. I think it's got PC Doctor on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no. Um, there was a guy, he was actually marketing these, that this would be your digital resume. So people would drop that into their computer and it would fire up and it would have your resume. It could have, um, yeah. you know, you it, it, blanks. Yeah. Or if you're, yeah. if you're, if you do multimedia, you could have your portfolio on it. One guy, uh, for a senior project in, in college, the, the same course I took, he actually did a, um, a resume application. Uh, like an executable where you would fill in your, your stuff. Again, your work history, your, your references could be uh, text, audio or video. And then you could, you would export it out to a file, you know, and a, a small enough file that you, you know, you could hand it to a guy on a flash drive or you could hand it to a guy on a CD-ROM and they could put it in and, they could look at it and they could actually get a very good in-depth idea of who you were. Now, unfortunately, these days, you know, these days people get so many resumes, you know, I, I think a lot of places even just scan them. And if it doesn't pick up certain buzzwords in the first five lines, it's file 13. You know, it, it, it sounded good on paper, but practically no, unless you're doing like uh uh, unless the job you're going for requires like a type of portfolio. See, here's the thing. When you have states that say, oh, well, if you want to collect unemployment insurance, we have to drug test you. And then that's you have wrong. another, and, and then you have another state that's going, Hey, if you want to collect unemployment insurance, here it is, but you need to attend these classes on uh, how to improve, potentially improve your resume and to practice interviewing with professional people who, have experience not only teaching how to interview, but having given interviews before and, and teach you, you know, body mannerisms and things like that. Which one, which state do you, do you think is going to be more successful? Because I know the answer to that question. Uh, it's a given. Yeah. And because they've already demonstrated that drug testing for unemployment doesn't work. Yeah. So again, you know, so the places that still require the drug testing, it makes you wonder how interested are they in actually helping people get off of this dole and actually become contributing members of society. And to me, I would be asking, why wouldn't you want that? 
know, they're the the whole drug thing is to make a statement and to try to prove a point, not to actually help. Yeah, but again, the economy of a country depends on the flow of cash as expenditures to a provider, to that provider paying out its employees who are in turn consumers. It's a cycle. And the more people are working inside of that cycle, contributing to it, the stronger the economy of that country will be. It, it, to me, it seems basic. And I know I'm, I'm not an economist, so that's probably trillions of nuances here and there about it. But to me, it just seems so basic that if, if you want your, your country or even your state or even your city to run well, you know, th this is a good model. This is a model to follow. You make sure that the people are working and able to purchase things so that the companies that provide those things can continue to provide those things and pay their employees so that they can go out and purchase that and just keep the cycle going so that the economy remains strong. But then you have people, well, okay, I'm going to outsource. So I'm going to deprive this huge chunk of my economic, uh, you know, backing. I'm going to deprive them of that so that because I can make more profit over here, but then nobody's buying my products. So I'm going to have to raise my prices so that only a few people can buy my products. Like, you see where I'm going with it, I hope. <laughs> hey, when they did an interview with, with heads of major corporations saying, hey, when your companies get these major tax right, uh, breaks and uh, all these money coming in from the government, you're going to send it and filter it down to your, to your low-level employees to, to boost their overall pay, right? And none of them said yes. One, you know? of, them, one of them said no, blatantly said no. And, but that's what the money was supposed to be for. And even after being interviewed and saying that they weren't going to do it, they got the money anyway. Yep. There was one, um, there was one company that actually did do it. And it was one out of like a million and I'll never forget it. I was listening. Don't, don't judge me on this one, but I was listening to Ben Shapiro. And huh. I, I know. But that one company did that okay, one thing. Cringe. It was like I said, it was one out of a thousand. And he did his, his biggest aha moment. You know, see, I told you that's how it worked. Yeah, there's, 900, there's 999 yeah. other companies that have not done it. And yet you hoist this one as the model for all of them. Try again. You know, I, I'm not even sure... I, I listened to him for a while, but I got sick of it because every time he did the mailbag, it started to become things about faith. Mm. And I couldn't. I Honestly, the cringe factor, uh, actually with, with him, uh, there was another guy on that same, in that same media company. Shit, what's his name? Uh, Clavin, Andrew Clavin. Uh, his mailbag, sometimes they get into articles of faith. And it just, I'm sorry. But you could be a seasoned wordsmith when it comes to the news. You could be very objective in how you pull apart one side or the other. Not in these two guys' cases, but you know what I mean. But the second you start getting called out on this kind of stuff and you start that same 
doughy eyed. Um, how is it? You know, when you get to talking to some of these like hardcore theists, and it sounds like it, it's almost like secretly they've injected themselves with something under the table because they kind of get this sort of mellow, almost Lebowski type uh, attitude going when they start talking about faith. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that, that's what these two guys get into. It is like, no, sorry, I can't click, and I, I just I, I gave up because it's just a basic. It's it's a negation. It's basically an I don't want to go there. I like it the way it is, and I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to know. Yeah, I, mean, I just like it, it's basically it's um like these like, ideas come from people other people so yeah. basically in, in a, from a system from a group of people or whatever yeah. is basically a faith in the system so yeah. it's a reliance on something or somebody else yeah. for survival and, and, and like, it's working so i don't want to touch it yeah. and the way enough. i mean even if i like i consider myself pretty central when it comes to my political leanings in other words i'm willing to listen I'm willing to hear what you got to say. If you're willing to present it in such a fashion that it's objective or that you're, you're going based on facts and you're not, you're not being too hyperbolic on stuff. And th this could be a good segue because um, when you hear Shapiro talk about abortion, of course he's, he's, he's so pro-life it, it hurts, but, but the way he describes, you know, the, the abortive process, he he's got no medical training whatsoever, at least as far as I know. I, I think his wife is is a, is a nurse or a doctor or something. He does not fully understand the abortive process, nor what uh, a fetus actually looks like, well, or any of those things. And, and he, I don't think he wants to because the way he describes it in his shows, it, it's almost like he's trying for a cheap laugh. You're like, oh yeah, you know they they just they suck it out, throw it in a blender, then they make other people drink it. Blah 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 blah. blah. No, you no, know, he's trying to make it sound barbaric, and he he's going for an emotional response. I've noticed that when yeah. he talks, and he talks about a fact that backs him up, he will make it a factual statement, mm -hmm. and make anybody else who sounds like him disagreeing with him as somebody who is being an emotional response to a fact. But when he has something that is not 100% factually accurate, he will go for the emotional response. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, why does that? Why does he do that? Because it it works. I mean, that's his his. He's audience, good at his, it. Yeah, his, that's his, his shtick. audience. Yeah. His audience's his paycheck is his audience's ignorance. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's and, he's, he's yeah. very good at doing that too. Yeah, uh, the, the, there, there's a phrase that my mom used to say, uh, silver tongued devil is usually somebody who compliments you and everything else. Well, if you agree with this guy, he will talk circles around you and uh, mm -hmm. making, you know, the, the world's best echo chamber for you. Uh, mm -hmm. But that silver tongue is also completely forked because if you disagree with him and you're not quick as he is when it comes to talking like th this guy talks at New York speeds. Yes, he okay? does. Mm -hmm. He talks at, at full New York East speeds. Um, if you cannot keep up with that speed and interject every single time he puts something forward and, and just keep it going nonstop the way he, he does, he will end up just verbally trashing you. Yeah. 
he'll he'll do his best to own the conversation. Yeah. And yeah, but but anyways, like when you get into stuff like that, when you when you purposely go for the emotional response, you personally you you just to me it's dishonest. To me, you lose me because yes, I'm an emotional person. Ask anybody. I've I've got a hair trigger temper, which is amazing that I've never actually have I blown up on this show. No, I I've gotten mad, but I've never exploded. <laughs> what trigger? The, the question: What triggers you? For I'll me, it's irrational. There's only one thing that can make me mad. It's either irrationality or dishonesty, blatant dishonesty. Yeah, same here. Like um, uh, that that megaphone toting motherfucker at that convention you went to, Bridge. I think I would have had a hard time restraining myself from from not taking action against that guy that was a little bit more than just what you guys did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it just, it, again, you've been proven wrong a thousand times on the same, like you are the recurring villain on a Saturday morning cartoon t TV cartoon show. You've tried the same freaking thing yep. time and time again. You've been shut down every single time yet. You still insist that what you're doing is right. Even though, I, I, I could probably part of his part of his audience is buying it. It's working. Yeah. And that's and, it. And you know, and, and this is why um you know <laughs> wow, oh boy, are we are we are we tangenting here? Um I don't think so. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> okay, well here we go. Um I think we're converging, but anyways. Okay, no, I, I just saw uh, I just saw an article today about um uh five G. You know the, the the next wave in cellular technology, the fifth oh, generation. I, I, I'm setting this one out. Just don't just, get me started on it. I'm setting this one out. Tech, just just hear me out. Be, be, before you go off the deep end, because I, I may shove you there, but we'll see. <laughs> I can swim. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, shove yeah. me off the deep end. I still ain't yelling for help. Yeah, you just wait. Okay. So the first part I learned about five G was. Apparently, Alex Jones, don't hit me. Alex Jones was railing against 5G. But he was railing about the fact that it's aliens, it's mind control, it's, you know, windmills give you cancer level bullshit. Okay? Wait, 5G, the technology. Yeah, like what it what it stands for, like or what it's supposed to do. It's it's uh, the fifth generation of our our it's supposed to be yeah, the yeah. next iteration of our cellular networks. Yeah, no, I was I was confronting that with the the um, the the head of state meeting, but anyway. Okay, you're thinking you're thinking G five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and, and because I didn't want to get into it, but I'm going to do this, guys. It's I'm actually five G N R. So that's uh, no five uh, five Gulf Space November Romeo. Okay. Five so G new new radio. Okay, but all that because I'm dyslexic. Well, yeah. no. The reason why I'm saying this is because, because the industry standard says five G N R, but we have advertisements that say five G. So go ahead. Now it, that it's I've clarified marketing. that it, it, yes. it's marketing. Yes, which is, it, it, 
it's a clear, the reason why I'm specifying this is because marketing takes advantage of things like this. Oh, For example, unlimited internet access, unlimited, uh, unlimited data. Yeah, Bullshit. you might be paying $80 for that unlimited data, but after five uh, gigabytes, they cap your speed. So now you're getting slower than 3G. Mm -hmm. Well, at slower than 3G, that video call is going to probably not happen. And when you're in the middle of a forest fire horizon um, um, and you're capping their data speeds, even though they have unlimited but this, data, uh, yeah. all right, this is why I'm saying you're going to see advertisements for 5G, but unless they're advertising 5G and R, they're probably lying to you even okay then, even in just what you said there's there's more rabbit holes to follow i mean why wait this pay by the second price is just bullshit to start with mm -hmm. right that's there's no cost there uh the cost is in the overhead and the maintenance and but the profit that's, that's an unjustifiable mm -hmm. way of billing that you, went, you, you pay you pay a subscription to have access that that went into a completely different uh, a completely different direction that i was going yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean just like no, no that's awesome we, but well, it boils like, down to communication which is what we've kind of been focusing on we've been yeah. focusing on greed and then that greed allowing to happen that that quote unquote evil as joe put it yeah because as bridget and i were pointing out you know, and well, the rest, well, we were all pointing it out actually in our own way that there is a combination of getting the conversation shutting down by whatever outside forces, whether they're politics, other countries, or just the people down the street, the uh, speed at which misinformation is being uh, generated, like uh, with the whole newspaper thing and having a day to vet the information or think about what you're going to say to your friends versus mm -hmm communicating in a heartbeat and you know just everything all together it all ties together anyways um where i was going with this originally was okay so alex jones when when 5g was first being announced as you know going to be the next big thing he was like waving his hands and you know doing his shtick you know aliens mind control big tech all that kind of stuff and everybody wrote him off as you know as Alex Jones just recently um, they did a bit of a deeper dive on this. Now I, I don't know for certain I, I'll, I'll try to find the, the article that uh, was cited for the show notes, but it turns out that the, the microwave range, like the, the, the frequencies that 5g uses or is, is planning to use is very, very close to what NASA and is it the NOAA tech? NOAA, no, uh, uh, North Atlantic National Atlantic. Oceanic, something. Oceanic Ocean, yeah, the the yeah, the one Oceanic Atmosphere, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to okay. break it. <laughs> but it, it turns out that the the uh, the microwave frequency range that five G is planning to use bumps elbows with the same frequencies that NASA and NOAA use to monitor, uh, monitor, <laughs> to monitor, um, weather, radar, weather, radar, predicting 
yeah. uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, etc. The fear is that when people flip over to 5G because you know they're going to end of life everything else, or at least one or two generations back, mm-hmm. that okay, fine, you've got this wicked streaming of Netflix on your freaking smartwatch or through your Google Glass. Wow, I sound like an old guy. Holy shit. Um, you, you know, you'll, you'll get that blazing fast stuff, but you might be actually knocking out uh, a portion of Noah's capability to properly monitor uh, humidity and stuff in the air so that they would not be able to predict when the next hurricane is going to slam into Florida and, you know, blow away everything that was constructed since the last hurricane. Yep. Or put out hazardous weather outlooks. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing that people need to remember is that 5G is not a single frequency. Okay. These are actual bands and what they've got going on is there's actually two prominent ranges for 5G. There's um, one where it's operating at just below six gigahertz, okay? And that's the one where you can actually get um, uh, distance. And believe it or not, it's actually operating below four gigahertz. The the common one is three point something or other right now, which is what we're already using. But I think the ones we're looking at are in the 24 gigahertz range, which is where NASA and NOAA live. But here's the thing. The problem with that thing is, is that rain that one doesn't get range okay that that greater frequency mm-hmm. does not penetrate cars it does not penetrate walls easily anything solid like trees okay you're going to have a hard time getting these things through so when you walk in your house it's gone unless you got a repeater for that frequency and then you might even need one for each room depending on what the walls are made out of in your home or if uh, or in your building in your office building for example okay mm-hmm. it might need a repeater there all right uh, case in point 4g has a similar problem it's not going to be as bad as 5g in that in, in that respect but it still has some issues with penetrating solid objects for its secondary uh, uh, bandwidth or range and because of that the military base that I'm at, one of the buildings that they put in, because they have a contract with a particular sub company, just had put in repeaters on every floor. By my count, and it may be wrong because I haven't been into every single office on the floor, but by my count, every single floor, if it's anything like the floor that I'm on, has at least a dozen repeaters built into every floor. And this is a five-story building. Okay. All right? Yeah. Because of the material that the building is made out of. So just having a single wall, they got another repeater on the other side of it. So, okay. So the the base question even before that is, Mm -hmm. um, and that's just for, has electromagnetic radiation or electromagnetic waves, which basically, um, these are just frequencies. That's it. And um, frequencies, they operate in wavelengths and concentration, which is super important because um, right. like we're being bombarded by microwave uh, wavelengths like all the time, mm-hmm. but they're just so dispersed that it can affect us. Yeah. And you have the human 
defense system for the little bit of damage that we do do, our body repairs it. Yeah, but I'm thinking more it's tiny the damage, but exactly demonstrated that this uh, the 5G and 4G is actually damaging to humans. I mean, it's never been demonstrated. And, and the other part is, is like I said, with the 5G, with uh, with uh, the second part of the um, frequency range, the one that's the high range, the, 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 the 20 some odd, whatever number that you mentioned, mm -hmm. gigahertz. Yeah. That has a hard time getting through oh, okay. objects. Okay. Okay. So, so that fear is fear mongering. Well, okay. So now I wasn't talking about the whole, you know, if you stick your cell phone up to your ear, you're going to get brain cancer. Kind of like you do with, with a windmill. No, but there's <laughs> going to be plenty of that. No, I, I know, but that's not really what I was thinking about because I mean, you know, and I know, and they know, well, most of us know that that's kind of been debunked more or less. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's debunked or not. It's like anti-vaxxers. Uh, I, I know, I know, I know. You know, it's it, it's it's a human thing. But what I was wondering, though, okay, so if it sounds almost like the the, the twenty four gigahertz range for five G is just for from a consumer perspective is kind of impractical. So my question is, and it, it, this is just because I honestly know nothing about how these networks are put together. Would that high-end frequency range be used as, say, some kind of a backbone from which then from the cell tower down to a local repeater would go down to a lower, more penetrative frequency? Wow, that sounded pornographic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so, so that you could use a 5G cell phone in your home without it going on it, without, without needing a... Um, Elon Musk to come in and, you know, completely redo your house. I, I honestly, uh, I'm just curious because um, if this news article that I read about the whole interferes with NASA, Nova, Noah, if that range is so impractical to, to use 5G, you know, did I just read something that wasn't really true or was more fear mongering? The impracticality is probably buffered by the amount of cell towers we already have across this country. We have cell towers that, oh, oh my God, the, the saturation of like cities and everything else. You, we've gotten very good at disguising cell towers, but we're also blatantly obvious in others. Like if I drive to work, there are some cell towers that are disguised, but I know where they are and other ones they're blatantly obvious on the way to work. And the only reason it takes me half an hour or longer to get to work is because the amount of people going to work. If there were no cars, it would take me five minutes to get to work at 45 miles an hour. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very short distance. There are more than eight towers on the way to work over that short distance. Wow. And I live in a low population area. <laughs> Imagine what a city's like. Oh, I, I, I can tell you what a, what a city's like. I, so I, if my area wasn't filled with trees, and it is, if it wasn't filled with trees, pop up some 5G antennas, and you're going to have that bandwidth open right up. Yeah, but again, my question, though, is, like you said, at that, at that range, at that frequency, you don't get penetration into a home or, or you know, between a wall. Right. So my question is... Like, I, 
like again, if you go to I, Home Depot, my my cell connection is gone. What good is that five G connection doing for me anymore? Well, same with That's, me going into IKEA on four G right now. Yeah. you know, same thing. Yeah, that would all at that point it would be frequency range uh, number one, the one that's going just under six gigs. Is that one penetrating the building? Well, since it's running at a lower three something or other, just under four, more than likely that one's getting a little bit better penetration. So my my signal is going to, my speed's going to drop, but my phone's going to still say five G. So I'm getting five G. It's a. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes technology gets pushed just because it can be marketed well and make money. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, if there is anything to be said about this, um, well, I, you know, I, I almost hate to say it, but, you know, Jones might have had something if he'd put away the aliens and actually talked about the interference that it could have with, you know, potentially life saving technology. You know, I, I, and hey, I'm I'm no fan of Alex Jones. Make no mistake. Uh, a lot of people say that well, they shouldn't have banned him because free speech. All Sandy Hook, and it's not so much him that I'm pissed off about. It's the fact that he actually has influence on other people, and that other people take what he says as fact, without the filter of critical thought. Because as we know, yes, we like to think critically. We should think critically, but a lot of people still don't. It's the effect that these people have on the the uneducated masses or the untrained masses that, to me, makes them dangerous. And, yeah. <laughs> and that, it, therein, lies the root of the problem. Indeed, indeed. You know, it's the... Um, nobody wants to think. Everybody wants someone else to, to lead for them because thinking is hard careful tech's gonna yell at you (laughs) no No. again no and i mean of course we always fall back to and thankfully we fall back to religion you know it's the most prime example of it you've got priests who i mean despite all the ill repute like all the abuse cases we've seen all the absolute how the hell can you say that type things that I, especially what i've been seeing lately like what was it um some some i read somewhere some priest again i don't know if this is a credible source but some priests claim that one of the last tornadoes that went through a state was was summoned by the democrats in response to their abortion law what <laughs> These people keep doing it because it's working. And I mean, oh. Which state had a whole bunch of flooding even though they just passed an anti-abortion law? Should, shouldn't we be using the same excuse for that one? Apparently God wants abortions in that state because they just sent a whole bunch of floods there. Uh, don't get me started on the Bible and abortions. I think I've run that one to death a few times already. Uh, just look, there's a passage in the book of Numbers where, <laughs> guess Chapter what? Chapter 5, verses 11 through 34. Thank you. <laughs> I think Bridget and I would agree that we'd love, you know, if, 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 uh, I dropped that if, one if, we, if we were following the Bible, we'd like to see some of these politicians banning abortion get struck by lightning. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You don't have to, me personally, I don't have to follow the Bible to wish for something like that. I mean, that, that, that's just on principle. Okay. 
I mean, yeah, it's a bit of choking on the irony. I'll make no mistake about that. But And no, I'm not condoning violence against these people. I don't believe in doing that. But at the same time, just some of these decisions, honestly. Really? I like when people say, oh, you know, hey, this this is going to be great for our state. It's not going to hurt anything. The protesters are not going to affect us in any way, shape, or form. By the way, why is things getting worse? It can't... It, uh, that thing that you signed made it worse. Oh, it couldn't be that. Yeah, I'm, I'm about Wait, to what? do a no. I'm about to do a hot take here. This is uh, get woke, go broke, the biblical version. Jeez. <laughs> wow. No, yeah, I said it. I said it. Screw y'all. <laughs> but no, it, it's true. It, it seems the more that um, you know, you, you look at a lot of these states that throw this kind of stuff in, and you just think, you know. How's the economy doing in those states? Not pretty, not that good, is it? No. Hey, Bridget, how, how's it doing down there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, I've awesome. been to I've been to Indianapolis. I've been to Bloomington. At least the places I was at, it didn't look too bad. But again, that's two of the major cities. I don't know what the rest of the state's like. Uh. You know, and I, I know somebody that works in Lafayette, so over by Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of our, uh, they used to be a customer, and now they're an employee. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, Tech, do you know who uh, Tony Perkins is? Oh, God. Why does that name sound so familiar? Wait, He's wait, from wait. the Family Research Council, that guy. Wait, Anthony, wait Anthony? Oh, Perkins? yes, yes, yes. His house flooded. He had to get evacuated. Oh. <laughs> because okay. he was no. like, oh, all this flood because of the gays. Now, before everybody calls me a dick or any other names, because, well, what about his family? It's like, well, first off, I feel bad for anybody who loses a house due to flooding. I, I feel bad for anybody at all that has something or other. Uh, happen to them that uh, negatively affects their life in any, you know, in, in a way that could potentially harm or and or kill them. Here's a man who's making plenty of money who does not have to worry about whether or not he's going to be able to replace his home. This is a guy who can make, you know, replace his home without flood insurance. Okay. This is not a guy who is making minimum wage who is one paycheck away from starving to death and losing his house and his car and taking his family with him. Well, if he was, I would still be laughing my ass off because it's you know, the guy's fault that this is happening. He's been so vocal about it. Which leads, which makes me wonder, if it is in fact the gay's fault, um, what skeletons does he have in his closet? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There is a really... Uh, high um, demonstration uh, uh, statistic of people who are so vehemently against homosexuality later coming out as homosexual or and or committing homosexual acts. Well, look at all these. Uh, I, I've been seeing a lot of these tree and Pornhub statistics. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't even have to look. Out. I don't even have to look at that. I love when they um, came out. That made me laugh. You know, the the, the person that keeps uh, keeps sharing or retweeting these uh, these hot take articles that I was just poo pooing on earlier. Once in a while, they'll have you know anti gay activist charged with sodomy. 
or anti-gay activist caught with underaged boy. You know. Yep. How well, much I'd love of, to hear um, an evangelist, you know, just be honest about that kind of thing. Oh, and because, I'd, I'd love know, to see them. I tried that homosexual stuff. I don't like it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, but but again, um, I, I wouldn't even go that far because then that would preclude that it's a choice, which we know it's not. It's <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you choose to be straight, you know. Well, no, you, you're 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 pretty much wired one way or the other. I mean, yeah. now, that wiring can you you the the wiring can be influenced. Yes, All I right. was about to say that there is there is nuance to it. I I won't deny that. Oh, there's so many variables. I, I know, and it's it's more than it's, we could dive it into comes here. It down to neuroplasticity. Um, yeah. yeah, but basically, you know, um, if you're in a given situation, it, it's dependent on the environment. It's depending uh, dependent on so many different things, actually. But yeah, but needless to say, complete control over your own neuroplasticity, which means basically your your neural networks. <laughs> Unless you can completely program yourself, um, no, it's not a question of choice. Yeah, and, and that's just it. You know, it, that is the bottom line. It, it's not a question of choice. You, you don't wake up one morning and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to become part of this um, this particular social group that currently is undergoing a, a shit ton of hate and prejudice, having being thrown on it." Uh, why? Because I just feel like it. Nah, it doesn't work like that. And it really. And even before going there, that doesn't even really matter because, you know, uh, whatever is being chosen or not, does it harm anyone else? It's none of anybody's fucking business. Well, you're right. It's not. But a lot of people are making it their business, which is why, again, that's we, what's damaging. I, no, I, I'm agreeing. I, I'm in full uh, agreement yeah, with yeah. that. But I just you know? put, it, put the focus on these people because, okay, you're the one raising a stink, changing laws, um, ostracizing people. You know, getting parents to kick their kids out of the family yeah. home. But, um, but you're is the it affecting doing the damage? Yeah, it's is it affecting us. the lawmaker? If it's not affecting the lawmaker, then they've got no business making that kind of a law. You know, and if you if you're saying you know like well, Bible this and Leviticus that, like okay, buddy, uh, if I rip your shirt off, I better not see a tattoo. Your shirt better not be made of a mixed uh, mixed material. This What's the other one? Oh yeah, and uh, I better not see your ass at Red Lobster. <laughs> these these are people just uh you know they make their buck off of um telling other people what to do and that's it yeah and it becomes just another one of those um or one of those pieces of control another cog in the wheel of their ultimate power trip and ask yourself always people like this just have a look at what what are they doing is what they're doing quote-unquote work <laughs> or not <laughs> and it always comes back to the same people the same pattern is well they, they might think they're doing the work you know they're, they're doing god's work after all no they're manipulating the fucking you know the indoctrinated mm -hmm. the, no, the people that they're, they're selling crutches to people they amputated they amputated in uh in their yeah. childhood yeah, I mean, they, they sell you the, they sell you the treatment for the disease they create no matter no matter what we were talking about today it's always the same thing it's always just these people up at the top um just you know uh keeping the table tilted so yeah. that they can continue earning without working yeah you know and i really wish 
Uh, we we should start wrapping up here because we've been we've been at this now for like two and a half hours. We've we've done good. What's that, Bridge? Did you, did you hear about the art encounter? I you know, I wish <laughs> I, I I saw I saw the headline. Yeah. And I was ready to dance. I was ready. To, I saw this at work. I was ready to stand up and dance a jig on my desk when I saw that. <laughs> but then I read the article and kind of went, uh. "Yeah, they're suing, but they've got water damage." And it's like, yeah, but it, but it's not to the ark. It's to a road leading to the ark. Oh, oh. that was the problem. Like apparently, a landslide washed up one of the access roads, and they didn't have, I guess, uh, insurance for that or something for the road. The ark itself, sadly, is still fine. Damn. You know, look, if there had been any damage to the Ark over rain, I'm pretty sure the Utah outcasts would have been all over that shit. Well, don't forget, there was another man who built like the, his own version of the Ark. It was another country. Oh, it was over and, in the Netherlands, I think. Yeah, and the, because of the way the Ark is, the, the type of boat that it is, mm -hmm. um, it didn't fare well, and it caused a whole lot of problems which caused a whole lot of damage and ultimately had to get towed, which caused even more financial problems and more issues. And it's just like, yeah, uh, the reason why there's so many problems is because we know not to build them that way anymore. <laughs> or we knew not to build them that way in the first place after the first one sunk us several thousand years ago. Assuming that one existed. Yeah, I read Fair that enough. article. And uh, they had like five insurance policies, and none of them paid. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's because five insurance policies, like, yeah. Um, well, I thought it was you know God taking care of. Well, anyways, <laughs> apparently, um, well, one of the rumors is that the insurance company for the Ark Encounter, they're they're trying to say that the uh, landslide was a quote unquote act of God. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, again, I uh, that's just yeah. that was just probably just some that was just a joke that I saw on Facebook. But uh, well, that is what insurance companies call things like that. I I know, and I'm I'm hoping that's the excuse they use. But um, I, I haven't seen anything confirmed about it yet. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, exactly. that bothers me. You know, you have these people who say, "Oh, well, you know, if you have a problem, you should just pray to God," and they pray to God and nothing gets better. And then they go get medical treatment and then they thank God for God intervening for that. Despite having that unnecessary medical treatment, it was obviously God that did the work. I was like, I I'm sorry, but if you're that personality, mm -hmm. um, no you, medical treatment, eh, go pray it away. You know, quit, quit, killing everybody else's tax dollars if you're going to do that shit. Especially if you're going to try to push that on everybody else. So don't you dare go around saying, hey, look, if you have cancer, you should stop taking your medicine. And then when you get cancer, you start taking medicine. No, 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 no. That should be an automatic denial. You told other people and encouraged other people to not take your medicine. So you better not take it either. You, you, you get denied. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to preach that shit, you better damn well live that shit. Yeah, which is why the thing with so many of these evangelicals though is that they don't need insurance because they've already built their sheeple out of so many. Yeah. Look, if Joel Osteen ever developed, you know, I don't know, teeth cancer, <laughs> uh, 
he wouldn't have to worry about medical bills because he would just basically, you know, pull his wallet out of his ass and say, okay, well, this is from Mrs. Jones. This is from Mrs. Johnson. This is from Mr. Mr. Taylor. You know, here's, here's the offering plate from last week. Oh yeah. That should cover that and get me my, a new gold grill for my mouth. You know, <laughs> I, I get the top quality prosthetics. So I'll get white gold. That way it shines even more, you know? <laughs> All of these people who are making these, um, <clears throat> even for the, the the insurance laws and everything, they're all in the same position. They don't have to. They're not subject to their own the the the, the laws they're making. Yeah, rules rules for thee, but not for me. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, uh, like I said, we should start working on getting out of here. Um, any final thoughts, uh, Bridget, on anything we've talked about mm -hmm. tonight? No. Okay. Uh, Joseph, anything? Nope. <laughs> 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 Nothing that wouldn't take, like, I found out uh, looking at this. Yeah, exactly. Panel, it would yeah, take like an hour. We, we can stream up to eight hours. Um, I don't even want to think about trying to break that audio down, though. <laughs> um, Tech, anything? <clears throat> it... Right now, um, it's insane. We have society that doesn't want to, that's fighting itself and chewing itself, tearing itself apart because they won't sit down and have a conversation, a civil conversation. And remember, civil doesn't mean that everybody agrees with you. It means that you can talk through your disagreements to understand the other side's point of view and how they got there not to necessarily make that point of view change, but to understand each other. And um, it's kind of like me when it comes to abortion, I have my thoughts on it. There are many women who tell me that I have no right to have any say whatsoever, but I disagree with that because if I'm the father of said child, then in my opinion, even though it's not my body housing the child, that's half of my genetics in that body. There needs to be, I, I deserve to be heard on that. All right. Because that is part of me in that other person. However, it doesn't mean that I had the right to tell that other person that your opinion doesn't matter and that only mine does. But that's how I'm treated when I say my opinion matters. No, a civil conversation is, well, hey, unrenowned tech, I hear that you think you deserve an opinion if that child is, is, is partly, you know, is caused by your DNA. Why do you think that? What is your reasoning? That's a civil conversation. And then we can agree whether or not I'm being reasonable or whether I'm being emotional or whether I got my facts wrong and to revet and correct so that I can change my opinion. That's how civil conversation works. And we're not seeing it. We're seeing the politicians who are doing emotion, scare tactics and shutting down conversations. And then we see the people in the crowd, not thinking for themselves, falling into those loops of shutting everything down. And it just absolutely sucks. Yeah. And it's harming a lot of, and believe it or not, 
one of the major problems with that is, is it's doing an insane amount of harm to women's rights. Yeah. Okay. My desire for like equality in court custody battles. That's important. But this whole anti-abortion thing and everything else, that's a more urgent conversation right now. I'm not even sure how I could cap any of this except to say that, um, well, Tech, you said it best. Everything's kind of gone insane. There's polarization, definitely. And I think what we need to do is they always say, you know, let cooler heads prevail. And I think that's what has to happen. We need to take a step. And I mean it like take a step back and evaluate what's going on and try to isolate what's important and what needs to be worked on and try to distance ourselves from the quick reaction, from the anger, from that initial flash of righteous indignation over somebody having an opposing point of view and try to, like what we try to do on this show, try to figure out why. Why, why do you think that way? Why do you have that point and please deliver it in such a way that we can talk about it because I think deep down, we all want to know, we all want to learn so that we can grow. At least when we're in a position where we're not constantly wondering <clears throat> where our next meal's coming from, or are we going to have a job tomorrow? Or is this the day they turn the lights off? I've always been a subscriber to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, not a perfect psychological model, but it's one that I follow for quite a while. And basically what it says is that you start off at the bottom with your physiological needs, food, shelter, basic survival. You then move up to security, which is the ability to maintain. You basically have to have your physiological needs met before you can have your security needs. And, and it goes on so on and so forth. When you get to the point where you can actually start having conversations and start thinking a lot more rationally about things like politics or current events or the economy or, or anything to help things grow, you have to be able to stand on your own two feet. And right now that's not happening. You're, you're, we're having a lot of things foisted upon us when we're in a state that we can't deal with them. So that's where the anger comes from. That's where the, the polarization comes from. And unfortunately, the people in power or the people in the media, that's the way they like it because that's how they maintain their own status. And this is why people like Trump get elected is because you you get the other team so busy eating themselves you you know a, a trained orangutan yes i said that on purpose can get into a position like the presidency and unless because they're not they're, they're not the ones controlling things yeah but unless the other unless the other side unless the rest of us figure it out and start getting rid of the hatred and start thinking, start having these conversations, painful and uncomfortable as they may be, 
unless we start getting together like we used to, this kind of thing is not long for this world. And I, I will mourn its passing. Anyways, thank you guys for uh, putting up with me for tonight. I do appreciate it. Um, Bridget, thanks a lot. Um, and thanks for the conversation starter uh, for this whole thing. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. And so where, where can we reach you? Um, you can find me on Facebook as Bridget Fitch or at my blog, BridgetFitch2112.wordpress.com. Okay. Uh, Joseph, merci beaucoup. Merci à vous, monsieur. <laughs> and uh, where, where can we find you or, or can we find you anywhere? Oh, um, just on this channel that I haven't updated in a long time. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I, I see you on Facebook, and I, I, I also know you're working on that. What is it? That state atheism uh, Wikipedia article? Oh yeah, I I just totally redid the references, and oh. um, uh, which is a lot of work because they they basically they to try to legitimize the article they they found quote unquote references. Anyways, yeah, mm. um, so uh, that should be much easier to work on now. Well, keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Tech, again, thanks a lot for, for putting up with me tonight. I do thanks appreciate for it. putting up with me. I think this is one of my more uh, adamant nights. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, this one, I'm, great. What are you talking about? I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. No, I, I, I'm usually the I, one that talks too much. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so as for myself, of course, uh, I... I take care of the audio version of this show over at holycraftthevlogcast.com. I know it's a little out of date. Bear with me. I'll get it fixed. Uh, and also, I do have another blog uh, at inthewind.yo5.ca. That's where I tend to get a little more. Um, I throw the odd post on stuff that I probably wouldn't talk about here. Uh, as for us, you can follow us on Facebook at holycraftthevlogcast. Uh, of course, we have the YouTube channel. I don't have the phone number for the voicemail, unfortunately. Um, Anyways, uh, Shujin, if you're listening to this, uh, hopefully I did it justice. Uh, it sounds like we had a good time here tonight, so I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, uh, we didn't get any other responses in the chat, but I hope a few people were listening or watching tonight. But until next time, you guys all take care, be safe, be good, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.